This episode of the podcast is brought to you by HRH Combat Arms. They can turn your vision into reality. They specialize in gunsmithing and Cerakoting. Your Cerakote specialist is Air Force veteran and retired police sergeant Paul Ware, a.k.a. the Sarge. He can Cerakote your firearms, auto parts, tools, even your sports equipment. And then your master gunsmith is Marine veteran Steve Miller. This veteran-owned business is located at 5025 Saunders Suite, 103, Fort Worth, Texas, 76119. You can call them at 682 and you can find them online at www.hrhcombatarms.com. That's www.hrhcombatarms.com. Yeah, you like that. All right, folks, welcome to the Knock and Talk Show. This is episode number 12. I am your host, Patrick Faulkner, and today's guest is Eric Levine, a uh, fellow podcaster, Texas resident, and uh, whiskey drinker. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Salud. Yes, Solancha. So, um, Eric, before we get started, what are you sipping on? Uh, I am sipping on, let's, let's, let's. Get this up here for the camera. Lone Elm. It is a Texas spirit um, out of Forney, Texas. I like to try to support local as best I can. Now, I'm not by Forney, but it's Texas. So um, this was actually bought for me by a little shout out to Charles Gillespie. He is a uh, Two Cops, One Donut member. That's what I like mm-hmm. to call him. And uh, he said, hey, man, I know you appreciate good bourbon, and uh, I want to buy you a bottle because I appreciate everything you do. So that was his way of supporting what what we got going on out here and uh wow who am i to turn down absolutely a, a bourbon so absolutely I, I mean that's the type of fan you just want to have yeah so to all of you knock and talk fans out there if you would like to support the show <laughs> through bourbon <laughs> through bourbon <laughs> well, right? uh i didn't want you being the only one day drinking today oh no um, yeah so um i've got old fourth distillery Okay. Uh, from here in Metro Atlanta, Old Fourth Ward, uh, it's a bourbon, 101 proof or 100 proof, uh, straight bourbon whiskey. Hell yeah! Yeah, Atlanta. Uh, I think that's home of the flock safety system cameras. That they are popular in our uh, neighborhoods here. Yeah. They're big and out, growing. They're big out here as well. I'm a big fan of them. Yeah. So, um, Eric, your podcast is uh, two cops, one donut, or yeah, two yep. cops, one donut. Yes, sir. Uh, you're also a active police officer in your community. Yes, sir. We can just leave that as agency. Yeah. Technically, um, I'm a detective now, sir. Uh, pardon moi. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't want people thinking I'm slumming it out there in patrol. <laughs> the greatest <laughs> secret in law enforcement, I will say, because having been a detective and. Uh, Uniform, the uniform patrol is the greatest. You know, they close more cases than detectives yeah. do. Just yeah, yeah. Just, absolutely. Um, so tell us, tell us about about you a little bit about the podcast. We'll go into more of the podcast later in the show. Okay. But I just want the uh, the viewers to to get to know Eric as we um, as we start this show off. All right, um, easy enough. I am. I've been in law enforcement for almost eighteen years. 
Uh, first started my law enforcement career um, through the military. Uh, I did active duty 2006, 2010 in the Air Force as security forces. Um, it sounds a lot cooler than what it really is. It's just being a military police officer. Right. Um, so that that got my uh, that got me started. Um, and then I jumped into being a cop up in Saginaw, Michigan. I'm originally from Flint, Michigan. Um, don't drink the water. I was about and, to say, I hear they yeah. have some amazing water. <laughs> yeah. Uh, luckily, it wasn't bad water when I was a kid. But okay. uh, yeah. So grew up in Flint. Um, and then uh, did police work up in Saginaw for a few years. And then I came down to Texas. And that's where I uh, jumped into my career. And just because I do the podcast and I'm a police officer. They're separate things. So I don't want to mention my agency. I will just say that I'm in the DFW area. So I'm, okay. I work for a major metropolitan department. Okay. Fair and, enough. Uh, yeah. I'm a happy father. I have uh, two beautiful daughters, 12 and nine years old, Caitlin and Cambry. Um, me and my wife, we've been together uh, since about junior high. Um, we've known each other since we we're about five years old. Uh, and she is currently going through nursing school. We're both 38 years old and, uh, she got a wild hair up her butt one day and was like, I want to serve. I want to deliver babies. That's what she wants to do. So she jumped, jumped into nursing school and who am I? I, she supported me throughout my career. So I'm supporting her through her, her new dream. So very good times for my family. We're, and then obviously I've got, you know, my career and the podcast going and all that good stuff. So, um, it's service, 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 service throughout my house right now. And I love it. What is two cops, one, one donut about? Okay. So, um, I will try to give you the short story. So short story, I, cause we're going to go deeper into yeah. it later. So basically I was going for my master's degree. You have to do a thesis. And my thesis was about social media and, it being a tool to bridge the gap between us and the community. I feel like police officers underutilize social media. Typically what we do is like, Oh look, here's an officer petting a puppy during, you know, save a puppy month, or here's a police officer playing basketball with a minority, like, and everything's posed and everything. It's very propaganda like, and we're not winning anybody over on with that stuff. Um, so I was trying to figure out how to bridge that gap with authentic authenticity. Um, and, uh, citizens all think we should be on social media. Police all think they should be on social media, but there's this, there's the red tape, there's the liability issues. There's all these things. So how do you do it? Uh, I don't know. So the thesis was basically, yes, social media is a good tool. We're not using it. Right. How do we do it? So I decided to expand upon that and follow through and try to figure it out. So that's how I came up with the podcast. Cool. The, the podcast idea is basically having long form discussion with both sides of the house, both first responders, not just cops, but firefighters, nurses, teachers, um, prosecutors, mayors, you know, all these different aspects of the, the, the criminal justice system um, that some would consider on that side. And then, talking to community members like um, anti-police community members, um, uh, pillars of the community itself, uh, just Joe Blow citizen. It doesn't matter. So I want all those perspectives and I want to take the time to get to humanize that person and then let people 
be educated on what they do, whatever their specialty is, whether they're a SWAT officer or a tech med person, and uh, they get the education side of what they do, but they also get the, the to know the personality and the drive behind that person. So that's that's how the bridge is supposed to happen. Okay. Whether it's working or not, I don't know. That's what the podcast is for to find out. Well, uh, I'll say that your podcast helped me develop this one. And um, I got to say thank you for, for people watching. You've been very helpful and instrumental in me helping to fix and work out some kinks. And uh, we talked a little bit before we hit the record button. And yeah. I learned a great deal already today uh, on how to make this show even better. So uh, from me to you, thank you. Um, hey, you learn from a dummy. I'm glad I could help. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you make it cop proof. So, uh, there's that. And, yes. Uh, so, uh, I too was in the air force. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I was stationed at Moody air force base in Val dumpster, Georgia. Yeah. If you know all about Moody. So okay. you were a part of the, uh, the Ravens maybe. No, I was, uh, it, the Ravens are out of there. Correct. They are. Yeah. I was, yeah. uh, the 68th fighter squadron, the lightning lancers. Okay. It has since been disbanded and all of its birds have been uh, dispersed to okay. uh, uh, w- when they, when they took down the fighter squadron mission of Moody and turned it into, it was a rescue for a while. They hit the PJs and, and yeah. Black Hawks PJ's and all that there for a while. PJs. If anybody wants to know what a PJ is, it's mm. basically the Navy seals of the air force. They are bad motherfuckers. They are, they are, uh, Yes. And Moody had the best of the best security forces. Um, when I was well, talking about I, the Ravens, uh, you know, badass dude. I'm going to tell you, uh, SP had a different, different meaning for us on the flight line. So we would, when, when I, I was, I was a avionics guy, and my my job was the attack control radar systems and oh, okay. some of the other stuff, uh, avionics involved in that. But so every once in a while, we would have to replace the radar in the nose cone of the aircraft. And then we yeah. would do uh, an operational checkout to make sure that we you know, plugged it in right and the part was good and all that kind of stuff. And we would put out these, these cones spaced out so that, and, and it would say, danger, do not drive through the cones. Uh, cancer-causing radiation is being emitted, yeah. you know, is basically what these gigantic cones set. <laughs> and, yes. and everybody right through it <laughs> drive right through it so the the running joke was you couldn't spell stupid without sp yeah well uh, the fact is it doesn't take the highest asvab score <laughs> to become fair. a military cop which is very unfortunate it's one of my biggest gripes yeah. and complaints about security forces because you hold arrest authority yeah okay yeah. At 18 years old. Um, and let's face it, I will tell you right now, as a 38-year-old man who's been doing law enforcement for a long time, I wasn't even ready at 21. Now, that doesn't mean all 21s aren't, 21-year-olds aren't ready. but And you're also putting people in a position that didn't sign up for it. Mm-hmm. So you've got 18-year-olds that now have a newfound authority that they've never even planned on having because they couldn't score high enough on the test and they didn't want to be a cook and now they want to put them in a law enforcement capacity yeah. on the base. So like I said, you're not always getting the brightest bulb in the, in the bunch there. And I 
don't agree with the Air Force's method of picking cops. I mean, yeah. Uh, well, no, at the time, there was a difference. This was before Do More With Less. So I was in from 95 to 99. Right. Uh, Clinton had just started using Do More With Less while I was in. So at that time, there was still a division. You had LEs and SPs, and then yep. you had the CADM guys. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the the actual patrol guys, they were pretty jam up and jelly type for you know military police officers um, with a very limited fishing pond to go work yeah. in. You know, for for those of you that are still police officers or have been, imagine the job you are you your policing job and and only being allowed to go fishing on base. Right to you know for your traffic yeah. stops and yeah. you're stuck and, in a fishbowl. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So there were there were the three different there, and the SPs were the bottom. It's funny because that translates to regular law enforcement in the civilian world. A lot of people ask me like, why do these cops waste their time like acting like me going five over is the worst thing ever? I'm like, you got to understand. A lot of people sign up to be a cop because they want to help. They want to catch rapists. They want to catch murderers. They want to catch thieves, burglars, all that stuff. Then you stick them in a small city where they don't have those calls. Mm -hmm. But they don't know that. They don't know that when they go to get into this career field. They just want to help, and they want to help for those reasons. Now you put them in a city where they've got 4,000 people, and the worst call they get is you know Aunt Hattie's cat is up in the tree and that's all they got. So yeah. you've got all this training and sometimes it's not the greatest training, but either way they got this training and they want to come help. And the best thing they can help with is somebody that was doing five over because that's the biggest tragedy they have in that city at the time. So that's what you get. You get an officer that is blue balled from the stuff that they wanted to really help with. So yeah. That's a theory. I don't know if that's true. But uh, that's that's the way I see it as a what I consider. I, I'm a big city cop. Now I'm not New York City where they got thirty five thousand, but uh, I'm in in the I'm in the top fifteen of the nation right now. So um, that that's the way I look at it. Well, I, I think it's a valid point and a valid perspective. And I, I've worked both a larger county as well as a very small college police department. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's real political. It is. Uh, and it was. Um, I'm going to pour a little more. You should. Uh, I'm going to catch up to you here in a minute. I found more bad guys, more wanted people, more stolen property, recovered more stolen property, more large amounts of controlled substances, uh, guns in the hands of felons off of a tag light, a yeah. 15, 15 cent stuff. peanut bulb. Mm-hmm was was where I found most of the bad guys that my job was to go find. Yep. And it all starts with just learning how to talk to people and start questioning. Mm-hmm. That's a big one. Anybody out there that's trying to jump into law enforcement, if you got people skills in this day and age, you're gonna you're gonna crush it in this game. Yeah. Uh, you're gonna do a lot of good because people skills are falling off quick. Yes. So yeah, salute I agree to with that. that. Yeah, hey, yeah, to people skills and the gift of gab. That's right. <laughs> I don't know if it's gift or curse. <laughs> I was trying to tell him earlier. I was like, 
you invited the wrong dude on your show because I can talk and talk and talk, 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 talk. So and you're the right person, <laughs> right person. So uh, this show doesn't really have a structure. Um, if you've if you've watched any of the episodes, it's it's sort of following the rabbit down whatever hole yeah. it wants to run into. So the conversation just lives. It's a living, breathing document um, yeah. that uh, you know we verbalize. So it's all about the funny stories. Oh, I got one. Now, now, now you mentioned a teaser. I got to start one. talking about this. And I don't know if you want to get into that one yet or if you want to say that is the grand. Let's go, baby. All right. So Walter White, how yes, are you? That's right. Okay. So um, it's 2016. This is when this call happened. I'm on bike patrol. Okay. Like bicycle, like, right. you know, 21 Jump Street, bicycle patrol. Um and I get a call from a valet that I'm friends with. He says, hey, dude, I got this car here. And this guy that got out, he does not match what typically clientele we have at this hotel. Now, it's a prominent hotel. And this guy comes tatted up, Aryan Brotherhood, screams it all over. Um, anybody that's in law enforcement knows that that's usually associated with meth. So, uh the the valet that called me like he doesn't just call me for no reason so i was like all right i'll come check it out so i get down there uh he points out the car now the car valet so the car is parked in the valet lot and uh the guy is at the bar in the hotel okay so i'm like all right let me run this plate real quick and just find out sure shit it's, it's a six we say 60 it's stolen and uh i'm like okay let me get some backup so get my boys out there and uh, I'm like, where's this guy at? He's like, he's up at the bar. Can't miss him. All right, cool. Well, I don't want to give him a chance to run. I want to catch him off guard. That's where my mind's at. So I'm like, call my Sarge, tell him real quick. Hey, this is what I got. I want to go to the bar and just, let's just go grab him now while he's distracted. Sarge was like, I'm on my way, but yeah, go ahead. Sounds good. Cool. So walk up, grab the guy. He doesn't struggle. Nothing like that. Nothing you know, dramatic. And, uh, he starts squealing right away. It's not my car. It's my girlfriend's car. Typical story. I'm like, okay, well, where's your girlfriend at? Well, she's in room blah, 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 at that hotel. I'm like, okay. Did you check out the room or did she? <laughs> yeah. He's like, she checked it out. I'm like, damn. Cause in my mind, I was like, if he checked out the room, he can give me consent to go in. Um, that's not what happened. So, um, because of his tattoos, um, I called gang and I called narcotics and tell him what I got going on. And, uh, you know, anybody knows you don't want to step on anybody's toes. So I was like, um, what do you want me to do? And they're like, well, we don't want to come out there if there's nothing to it other than the 60, the stolen vehicle. Uh, so we go do a knock and talk. Hey, and a little name drop there. Go do a knock and talk. See what she has to say. See if you can get anything out of her. So, um, I was real thrilled with the, it was narcotics that I did most of this with, um, with them just trusting me to do the work. It wasn't that they were pawning stuff off and, and oftentimes kind of, oh, just a, no, they're trusting you to handle the little things to make sure you have something. So, um, kudos to them. So I go up, knock on the door in this girl, Hey officers, come on in. I, I didn't say anything. It's like, 
Oh, okay. Body cam's going. I'm good to go. This hotel room is littered with files, like manila folders with papers in them all over. And I'm talking, this was a, uh, it wasn't just a one room suite. It was like multiple rooms. They had a great room. And I immediately see a meth pipe and a little doper kit. And I'm like, okay, well, put her in cuffs. So we put her in cuffs. And uh, she's like, I- I'm, I'll tell you everything. And I'm like, okay, hold that thought. So I call narcotics back. Hey, this is what I got. I got a room full of files and uh, I got dope on view. And they're like, okay, we'll, we'll be there. So narcotics shows up. They freeze the scene. Um, meaning nobody in, nobody out, no movement, just watch it. And they're writing a search warrant. Okay, cool. Search warrants just to cover our own ass mm-hmm. before we start searching any other rooms. And uh, so I kind of figured that was going to come down the pipe. So I hadn't went in any other rooms or anything like that. I didn't want to um, mess with the scene. So they get the search warrant signed and we start searching. He's like, you got that room. I'll take this room. Okay, cool. So I start searching now my military experience. I start looking through some of the paperwork and most of it was like hotel, um, you know, like your credit card information, um, who you are, email addresses, stuff like that. So um, I'm automatically, my mind's going, Oh, they're buying or or stealing one of the two from hotels, uh, our private information and selling it on the dark web, which is, that's, that's a big thing right now. Um, And it has been for years. So I was like, okay. And then I find a list of weapons and prices. And it wasn't weapons like you and I, uh, Joe Blow Citizen, would see. These are military-grade weapons, Uh, .249s, M60, uh, uh, grenade launcher, uh, Mark 19. I'm talking like big military industrial-grade weapons. And I was like, holy shit. What is and the and the prices were nuts. I mean, we're talking, you know, hundred grand for like the Mark 19 and stuff like that. So I'm like, what the fuck is this? So I go over to my dude, my narcotics guy, and I said, Hey, take a look at this. And he's like, What are these? What's an M249? And I'm like, he's not military. So okay. <laughs> I said, That's mil- these are all military grade weapons. I was like, all of these. I said, like, these are not normal weapons. I said, and these prices are, they match. I was like, so I don't know what you want to do from here. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in over my head personally. I'm like, I don't know who to call. He's like, um, let me call our intelligence division. This is the benefit of coming from a big city. Uh, and we'll get the Homeland Security guy here. Okay, cool. Homeland Security guy comes out. He looks, he's like, where's she at? she's over in the other room and uh start talking now i'm on patrol so normally you get the boot all right we got this yep take off and uh this is for any rookies out there ask to stay so i asked i said hey sir uh, this is way beyond me i want to learn i've never seen this before i just want to see what's going on can i hang out and he goes yep you're on the sheet just you know you're on the call i was like oh awesome thank you so i got to hang out throughout and i was just a fly on the wall just sitting back learning so he goes and talks to her and this 
This is where the breaking right. bats start. What's this weapons list? He's like, oh, she says it's for the car. All right. I think I think we might have lost you. Bueller? Bueller? Anyone? Anyone seen Bueller? We might be disconnected. So, folks, we're going to take a quick pause here uh, for some station identification. And we'll go ahead and we'll do sponsors plug. So uh, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. Attention veteran businesses. Do you want an easy way to be certified as a veteran-owned business? Do you want a better way to show it off in the same hard-charging fashion as our old unit badges? Do you want an easier way to be found? Get business write-ups, interviews, social media promotion, and more? Avboa.net has your six. Get access to over 20 hard-charging digital badges for web and social media shares that shows you're a certified veteran-owned business. You've earned it. Show it off. Visit avboa.net. Use code NOX6. That's K-N-O-C-K-S-I-X. Get your digital badge today. Can you hear me? Uh, welcome back. I guess my internet went out for a second. <laughs> yeah, so it's you, you started um, cutting in and out, and you started freezing a little bit, and okay. then you just gone. So the last thing that we heard was um, you asking to stay. Okay. And you got to learn a lot because you were a fly on the wall, and then you just disappeared. So, um, so yeah, I'm flying the wall and, uh, I say, uh, he goes and asks her like, what's the deal with this list, this weapons list. And she's like, those are weapons for the cartel. I run guns once a week between Oklahoma, Texas, uh, Arizona, New Mexico, um, for the cartel. I also run this, this, this credit card information stuff as well. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. Like she has, she let us in. She's not holding back anything. She's just giving everything up. And I'm like, this doesn't make any damn sense. Uh, and so the, the Homeland security guy for us was like, um, I don't make like, I, I need more than just you saying that. Like, where's your proof? Let me see your phone. Let me like, let me see who you're talking to. So she does. She gets out her cell phone and shows this history. She, he's like, do you have any addresses, anything like that? So she, she's pulling up all this stuff. And finally, she gives all these addresses. And the, the Homeland Security guy, he steps out for a minute, comes back, and he goes, every address she's given us is something that's on our radar and has got legitimate intelligence behind. I'm like, what the hell? How is this white girl transport? Like, so my question, I mean, to, yeah. to interject, why is she talking? Is right. She, I mean, why is she talking? Right. That's, that's what I'm thinking. So we keep going on. She goes, listen, I've got more information. I'm going to give you all of it. She's like, I'm going to make you guys look amazing. She goes, but I need you to do me. I want one thing. I want to keep the money that I have. What money? So she says, I've got all this money in this account. This is where I'm getting this money from, from the cartel. It, this is another thing. I didn't know Homeland Security had the capabilities of doing, but they froze her assets on scene. I don't know if that could happen. Yeah. So freeze her assets. And they say, as long as your information continues to pan out, 
we'll talk. And, uh, but how did you get into this? So she says the boyfriend that was downstairs, he's a friend from high school. She found out she had stage four pancreatic cancer. She only had a few months left to live. She calls him up in some last, last ditch effort because baby daddy was gone out of the picture. She had a daughter she was raising. She wanted to get as much money for her daughter as she could before she died. Okay. And she was friends with what she knew to be, you know, shady and quick money. So she originally started out just trying to do like help with the dope game in, in any way she could. Like she didn't know what she was asking, but she basically was like, look, I'm going to die. How can I make money? And, and of course the bad guys are going to use her as best they can. Well, oh, yeah. now they didn't think it through because you got a person who isn't nothing necessarily a bad guy, but got nothing to lose, which is dangerous on both sides of the house. Mm-hmm. So she played it perfect. She didn't give the police any issues. And, we end up finding out that the 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 gun running was some of the biggest cartel, like one of the biggest cartels around and helped set up this case. Now, I didn't get to see the follow through on right. that, but I do know that she was at the time was allowed to like they were going. Everything seemed like she was going to be able to keep her money for her kid. And because she like I said, she gave them everything. So here I am, I'm on a, about a 24 hour call. It was almost at the beginning, beginning of my shift. It was pretty early in the morning. And, um, by the time I got done, it was damn near 24 hours. Wow. (laughs) So yeah, it was amazing. But yeah, that was, and it legitimately, like if you've ever watched Breaking Bad, it's kind of the same story. Now, she was no chemist, but she got hooked up with the damn cartel. And, you know, and this is 2016, so she's long gone by now. But, yeah. Uh, but I would, I would imagine that uh, Homeland and or FBI, whoever else, what whatever alphabet soup you want to throw in there, put, her, put the daughter in some kind of wit set. Program. Yeah, I would imagine yeah, um, the cartels wouldn't care about her, right? You, you know, they'd go after the daughter, right? But like I said, I think she was uh, she was real. I mean, really young. So I don't know. I don't know the specifics on that side of the house. But that is the most interesting story. Yeah, that I've, ever, I've ever come across, even from other people. Yeah, that is, and, and to be a rookie. No, I wasn't a rookie. Oh, okay. I was not a rookie at the time. It's just, okay. um, I had done about eight years of patrol total Okay. at that time. And then I switched over to bike patrol. I wasn't ready to promote. I wasn't ready. I was still, anybody that loves patrol understands. So I, I did two years on bikes cause I did 10 years of patrol total. Um, and in bikes is still patrol, but you now you're not in a car anymore. So that was kind of my transition into doing other things. Okay. <laughs> But um, yeah, I I'd never heard anything like that. No, period. I mean, and once once the ball started getting going, just from the um, I mean, if you've seen the amount of files, I mean, just picture a, two queen size beds, 
full of files, um, files all over the little couch and all that stuff that you see when you got a, a hotel room that's got multiple rooms in it. I mean, just everywhere you looked had files spread out in, in boxes, like the paper boxes, cardboard boxes of files. And uh, here I am, I get to help look through this room and search through things to try to make sense of it. And one of the first papers I grab is a weapons list. That's what's kicked off the whole thing. Wow. And so, that very well could have been overlooked if you had started yes. in a different box, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Wow. With the amount of paperwork was there, all it would have taken was for me to grab two or three papers from separate piles and see, oh, it's, you know, personal identifiers, personal identifiers, personal identifiers. And I probably would have just assumed the rest is all personal identifiers and left that for the detective. But I think it was the very first piece of paper I picked up. That's was amazing. A weapons list. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No, I, I, in, in my 15, almost 16 years, never anything that interesting or, or that big. I mean, I, I had a couple that in, involved some of the alphabets, but. Yeah, nothing like that. And then I had, um, I got another story, another funny one, uh, or I consider funny. Um, I pull over a truck in an area that uh, it doesn't fit in. I'll just leave it at that. They don't fit in the area that they're in. Uh, we call that criminally profiling. So I pull these guys over. Criminally profiling. Criminally profiling. Criminally profiling. So I pull these guys over, and uh, the passenger throws up. He's so nervous. He throws up. I'm like, all right, everybody out of the truck. It's just them two. Um, pull him out of the truck. I call for canine. This is midnight. Uh, canine comes out, and he doesn't. He doesn't hit, um, but I could smell old marijuana. So I ask the driver for permission to look through the vehicle more. Can I look through the truck? Yeah, go ahead, sir. Gives me permission. All right, cool. Anybody that's been out there knows like criminals, you know, we wouldn't be in business if they were super smart. Right. Uh, sometimes just asking permission can get you through the door. So I tear this truck apart. I know there's something there. I'm missing it. I can't find it. There's no reason for this guy to be so nervous. He throws up. He's not showing any significant warrants. All he had was like class C stuff. So, um, check them for warrants and all that good stuff and nothing nothing big nothing that i would be like all right this guy's got to go to jail so i'm like all right well i noticed there's these two five gallon drum barrels in the back of the truck so I'm, like, I'm gonna pop the top to one of these see what's in them i'm thinking drugs are hidden down inside of it right so i pop the top and there's a a wooden stir stick in the back so i grab that and i'm fishing around nothing i pull it up and it's like this reddish maroonish color thick liquid and i'm like what the hell is that and they're like oh it's just from from vehicle sir i'm like oh okay so maybe you know because they did look the part when it came to like mechanical okay you know, dirty type dudes and uh i'm like okay maybe they they work on trucks and stuff all right i got nothing i gotta let them go so i let them go but it just didn't sit right with me. So I type up like the most in-depth information report and an information report for people wondering, it's not an actual police report. It's just, there was some significant things that somebody needs to know about and you just write it up. We so, call those uh, field ID cards. 
Yeah, it's kind of like a field ID. So I write it up and I tag gang and narcotics in it because they had ties to gangs and I could smell weed. So I was like, all right, I'll, I'll see where this goes. Well, narcotics sends me an email less than 24 hours later. Hey, we went and found your truck. Um, he had meth oil in the back. What you described was meth oil. I'd never heard of meth oil at the time. And we're talking, this was probably 2014, maybe okay. 2015. So, you know, the, the, the shake and bakes and stuff like that were still out there that we weren't depending on our meth yet from Mexico. So, uh, I'm like, what, what does that mean? And he's like, basically those two big ass barrels that were in the back was straight meth. All it needed was one more step and it becomes crystallized. So anybody wow. that knows how drugs are measured and how seizures are looked at, it's by weight. I missed out on the biggest bust of my life because I didn't know what meth oil was and liquid weighs more than anything when it comes to drugs. So imagine two five gallon, five gallon drums full of meth oil and I missed it. Narcotics. Wow. Now good for them. I'm glad they got yeah. it either way. Uh, those guys didn't get away with it, but um, that shows the importance of trusting your gut and making sure you do a detailed report. Don't let things just go. And uh, you know, you can't always be the hero, but you can be the assist man. It's okay to be right. a Scotty Pippen every once in a while. Yeah. So how many, how many, guys and gals in in your career did you come across that would spend 45 minutes to talk themselves out of a 15 a report, report. <laughs> how frustrating is that i know now don't get me wrong i would be a liar if i didn't say there's some times where i caught myself up trying to to get out of a report um that you don't intend to take 45 minutes to get out of but all Fair of a sudden you, re you realize, ah, oh, shit, man, it would have been so much faster if I had just done this. Um, but part of that is the big picture. And this is what I try to preach to rookies. Like, can you arrest this guy because he's drunk in public? Sure. You know, let's say. But is that the best thing for him? Is that the best thing for society? So sometimes dragging things out, to avoid the report it's not that it's best for you because you're being a lazy dude it's what's best for this person that you're trying to give every chance to to avoid being put in the system so um yes do guys do that absolutely and it is irritating because you know damn well that wasn't the way they were thinking about it. They were thinking about it out of pure laziness. They didn't want to do the report versus trying to do what's best in the big, the big scheme of things. So, And then you get stuck shagging a call in their zone that yeah, ends up being a report call because they're taking forever to get off that call. Yep. And then going back to name. And in, in beat ownership is what, what we call it. Um, if that was my beat and I had any beat uh, credibility, um, ownership, whatever you want to call it, I'm going to call you up. Hey, I saw you took a call on my beat. Send me the report. I'll handle it. Send me the information. I'll get it. 
if you have that mentality more often than not, you'd be like, Nope, I, I, you, we're good. I appreciate you reaching out. You know, I got it. It's going to be a quick one. Or you'll say, okay, yeah, I'll send it to you. It's kind of a pain in the ass. If you got any yeah. questions, let me know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. We called it zone integrity, but same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we do beats uh, where I'm at. Um, we had zones for a little bit. It just, I don't think it works quite the same. Um, but definition, your definition of zone may be the same as our definition as a beat. Um, Could be. Yeah. Sign, signed area where you, you didn't have to stay in that, but you were the first in if there was a call in that. Yes. Area. You were expected yeah. to handle that, yeah. but you so were also sent as either a backup or a second in to use fire terms, a second in yeah. uh, to a different zone. If needed. Yeah. That's, that's basically a beat for us as well. Zones for us was, um, you know, you five officers have this big geographical area and you guys are responsible for this zone. So um, you don't quite get to know the ins and outs of areas the same way you do a beat. When you have right. a beat, that's yours and you have to earn it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see that as much anymore. It kind of makes me sad. Um, I liked, you know, when I first got cut loose, like you didn't have a beat. You had to earn one. So you were the, the 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 team bitch. You had to go around and shag the calls that nobody else was getting because mm-hmm. they had their beats. It was outside of their beat, so you're going to get it. Um, which when you finally earned a beat, when your Sarge came to you and was like, Hey, I'm assigning you beats, such and such, you're like, I got a beat. You know, <laughs> and it was like, that's the best. And uh I don't see that as much anymore. Um, because everybody's so short staffed, you just don't have the manpower to say, stay in this area, which sucks. <laughs> I, yeah. I think that sucks. It does suck. Uh, manpower is a nationwide issue uh, and amongst other industries and, you know, career fields as well. But yeah, when you're, when your first responders are struggling for people, yeah, the whole community suffers. It ain't worth it. It ain't no. worth it to be a cop right now mm-hmm. in most places. In I most can't places. say that for where I'm at. Um, we have huge citizen support. We have what's called a uh, CCPD fund, which is basically the citizens vote every four or five years to pay a half cent tax that goes directly to the police department. Oh, so wow. that goes off of all tax in the city. So it doesn't matter if you're visiting, you're a citizen in this area. Every time you buy something, half a cent of that comes to us. Mm-hmm. So that's a thermometer. That voting is, you know, if that if you're only passing that vote by 51%, you're not doing your job. Right. Because you don't have the citizen support anymore. But we overwhelmingly have, I think in its entire history, I don't think we've ever gone below 80%. Hmm, that's interesting. So that shows that your citizens, that's one thermometer that your citizens support you. So and that, and that we're talking 16 to 24 million a year off of that half cent tax. That's, that's some, some departments, uh, 10 year budget. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I worked for a department a while back that was seven man that included the chief, the assistant chief, which was also the detective, 
uh, a patrol lieutenant and then yeah. four worker officers and and the budget was like 500 grand for the year mm-hmm. you know 16 million dollars yeah. that's a yeah. lot of cheddar all right yeah but our population's a million plus which not- that's true too that's yeah. true I think we had 250 front doors in this little town <laughs> yeah. without a traffic light, you know? Right. Um, I'm going to pour number two. There Where you are you at? Um, I'm right there at number two. Okay. I, my ice is gone. No ice ball this time, right? Yeah, no new ice ball. So it's all right. I've got my, my little diffuser. I, I pour a little bit of water. Oh, so let's talk about that. I know this is a this is a show about uh, funny stories and stuff, but you know, daggum, I'm the host. So do you do you enjoy a splash of water? Some people say it yes. opens the profile of, of the taste. So I'll tell you what was told to me. I went to several distilleries on tours. Um, the latest one being in St. Augustine, Florida, um, and when. All of these tours I've been on, I've asked, do you drink it neat or do you add water? What, you know, what's the rule? Every single one, and I've probably been to four or five, have said whiskey is designed to be diluted with water to open it up. It is not made to be drank straight. Um, And that is for storage purposes. Because back in the day when they used to store it, if you add water to it to get that full flavor out of there, it doesn't last um, as long. So, uh, yes, you're supposed to add a little bit of water to it. So it just depends on how you want to do it. Now, it's everybody's got their own flavor. Right. So um, I just I'm a nerd. I listen to the rules. If they tell me to just add a splash of water, I add a splash of water. Um, I like it cold. They said that room temperature is the way to go. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I don't do room temperature. I, I just don't prefer it. So I will add a nice ice ball to it. Uh, I got a new fridge. We just got our um, kitchen redone. Uh, I refinanced my house and used that money to do the kitchen. And nice. we got a fridge that makes whiskey balls. What? Yeah. It takes three days to make one whiskey ball. <laughs> yeah. So I would be so far behind the power. I'd be like watching yeah. for it. So like, I just drop. basically what I did was I would make regular ice, you know, and I, I let that gatherer, the, the bucket that collects them. And so uh, I let that thing get pretty full. And now I start using them for everything. But okay. it's an LG fridge. I don't know what the name of it is, but yeah, LG makes a fridge that makes whiskey balls and they're amazing. <laughs> Going on the Christmas list. Yes, sir. Highly recommend. There we go. It's down. All right. I, I just find that interesting. You know, the, ha, there's a documentary titled Neat, and you can see it on, on Hulu. And okay. It, it is a great documentary. It, it gives you a, a, a really good backstory, uh, an overall, and then an in-depth dive into the um, Buffalo Trace family. Oh. Yeah, of of bourbons and whiskey. Eagle Rare, baby. That's yes. one of my faves. Yeah, and it's a good bourbon. It is. I'm not going to take yeah. anything away from it. I'm not a huge Blanton's 
fan. Me either. I'm you know, with you. And I don't I'm understand why. I don't get the draw. I, I just don't. Uh, so I have, a couple of the horse. I have a it's, couple of the horse guys. I don't that's care. That's what it is. Yeah. So that being so uh, scarce to find yeah. Yeah. has then created, and then the secondary market, and, and that's a show that we could you know dive into later on, but has created these other brands to to rise in popularity and driving the prices up and things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I like Eagle Rare. In fact, my very first wedding anniversary, that was the gift my wife gave to me yeah. that lasted a week. Um, <laughs> You're right. It's one it of my favorites. Yeah. I recently finally found a, a, a um, consistent place to find it. I had no clue that the base that's located right near my place has it on the base. So wow! every Friday, if I want to go get one, I can go get one. Wait, are you still in the reserves? Yeah. Okay. I didn't yeah. realize that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. For you. Still, still uh, serving. <laughs> I do, uh, I do a unique thing. I, I am a IMA reservist, which is a individual mobilization augmentee. And basically, in in nerd talk, what that means is I'm not attached to a reserve unit like a traditional reservist where they do one weekend a month, two weeks out of the year. I'm attached to an active duty unit. And I do, I can schedule my time as I see fit as long as I get my time in, in, the, in the year. That's pretty so, cool. Yeah, so I am attached to the 802nd um, at Lackland Air Force Base down in San Antonio. And... Uh, I do all my time at once. I do all 24 days. That's what you're required per year. So I do all 24 days down there at Lackland with a active duty unit. Wow. Interesting. So, yeah. It's, it's um, a rare position. It's not easy to get. You kind of, kind of apply for it. Um, but in that you are your own manager. You have to do all your own paperwork. You have to, it, it's a pain in the ass, mm. but once you so learn how to do it, it's worth it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so I uh, I got out in 99. I was an avionics guy. And then I was trying to get hired into law enforcement because when I got out, I was I was qualified to do, uh, you know, one of three jobs, really. Uh, fireman, garbage man, or a policeman. And I chose the way of law enforcement. All union. Not, not here in Georgia. Not, not many unions oh. here. Uh, so I thought it would help me in the interviewing and background process and job selection to have law enforcement experience. So I, uh, I went from inactive reserve to active reserve and got into the SP Corps. Um, and then when I finally got my date to go through tech school, my academy, I got hired in my academy was going to start the same day. So I went from uh, active duty to inactive to active reserve back to in, inactive reserve in like six months. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's so it goes sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to flip the script a little bit, which oh, probably doesn't happen a whole lot, but why did you start your podcast here? You know, that's, Oh, wow. Yeah, that is flipping it. Let me, um, let me reflect a moment. This is that's okay. how you do the, you know, the pause. I like it. Pause for effect. So I tore my rotator cuff uh, back in 2000. 
and 14. And that was a, um, a medically career ending job for me. It was my gun hand. And okay. The, uh, the day FMLA ended was the day of my surgery and I still had months left of recovery. So the, the college that I was working for was a very political environment, as you pointed out. And uh, I was not invited back okay. after, after I was done. They kept me on the books so that I could keep a, a paycheck while I was recovering. But they, uh, they had already given my stripes away. They had already given my dog away. Uh, to somebody else, and I was on FMLA for a canine sergeant role, and they no longer had that. So um, I sort of bounced around uh, trying to figure out what I'm going to do next, and uh, there, in, in corporate America, there's really not a big need for mirrored, sunglassed uh, police officers writing tickets to people on their worst day ever. Right. So it was hard to become untypecasted. And yeah. somebody looking past the resume, no matter how um, specific and drilled down I would tailor my resume to that particular position, there was only so much they would they all they could see was law enforcement and military. You know, twenty yeah. plus years. So, um, I've I've been bouncing around for the last seven years trying to figure out what I'm supposed to be doing, and I I stumbled into this vetchpreneur group on Facebook. And uh, I met a guy named Robert Garcia. He's a, a reservist in the in the Air Force, Master Sergeant, and uh, he's on the the maintenance side, the flight line maintenance side of things. Uh, but he's also uh, a business guru. So he's when he's not doing his reserve time, he's uh, helping entrepreneurs with their business strategy, helping them to grow their business. And he's got a group called Design Your Paycheck. And this is a plug for Rob, uh, the, the warrior strategist. And um, I just I, I have that entrepreneurial spirit, and uh, I wanted to seize on that. So uh, I joined his group, and he's like, okay, so what are your skills? And I'm like, uh, tickets, search warrant, <laughs> uh, crime scene collection, and preservation, yeah. um, interdiction in uh, interviews and interrogations. And he's like, no, yeah, yeah. Well, we got to fix this. So he, he said, we did a whole bunch of think tanking and he said, well, what do you think about a podcast? Like, I don't know anything about a podcast. Yeah. I, I don't even know what a podcast, where do you go to find a podcast and what do you do with it? And he said, Oh, young man, sit down. So we had, it was like a three hour conversation and it was great. And we were spitballing and he's, he's like, you got to come up with a, a catchy name that is synonymous with law enforcement, but it, your show can't be just law enforcement. It's got to be oh, because you, you're, you're too drilled down. You're too niched and you know, you're, you're alienating a whole bunch of potential um, viewers, listeners and so on. So yeah, uh, I came up with knock and talk. And beautiful name, by the way, I appreciate kind of jealous. That. I didn't think about that. Yeah. The, that's how I got to the idea of the podcast. And yeah. then I started watching, I started doing research. And when I typed in cop podcast, guess, which was on the top of that list 
two cups, one donut. Really? Yeah. What? So that yeah. So that's how I found two cops, one donut. No shit. And I watched like three episodes. I do I binge watched like three straight episodes. Oh my god. I can I can do this because you had you I mean your guys, your guests tell funny stories. Yeah. You know, as as part just naturally in this career field, funny stories, funny stuff happens. Yeah. And we were all told, and I'm sure you were as well, by some old timer that was crusty and retired on duty and take notes. Yeah. Write a book. We never write a book. Yeah. Because writing book is is we write reports. It's too much effort. Yeah. So but we all have these damn stories, and these damn stories need to be told mm-hmm. uh to other people so they can enjoy them. And they don't get lost. They don't get forgotten. They don't disappear. Yes. They don't die with us. Uh, and another driving factor, my wife is so sick and tired of my stories. <laughs> she's, she's heard them time, time, yeah. time again. And uh, I was sitting on the back deck with three of my buddies. One was my first patrol sergeant. And then another one was a guy that was in our AIU unit, uh, accident investigation unit that handles all the fatalities. Yeah. And we were sitting around and we were drinking bourbon on my back deck telling stories. And I was like, damn, this is it. This is it. I'm doing it. And it's happened. And Knock Talk was born. So there's, that's how I got into it. So let me give you um, an idea that I, I've got, but steal it. I'm giving you permission to steal it because, like you I'm gonna said, mute. I'm going to mute so nobody else can hear this. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm giving you permission to steal this um, because I'm with you. Those, those stories that um, disappear, but we're not going to get them back. One of the segments that I plan to do as soon as I get wireless mics, that's my next goal is I want to get these wireless mics and uh, I'm going to invite retirees over to my house. We're going to sit around the campfire. There, there won't be video. It's just going to be audio. Okay. And uh, they're going to talk about the old days and oh. go back and forth with each other. And that's going to be the podcast. No questions. Just just let them go. Sipping yeah. some bourbon, sitting around the campfire, and and it's a, a level of amenity. Amenity. I can't say that word. Uh, anonymous people. <laughs> it may be the whiskey. Um, but yeah, they won't. They'll just sit around and and tell their stories together. Um, I've got the benefit that my dad retired from the department I work for. Okay. So um, some of the episodes you may have seen or not seen one, I recommend, I think it's episode five, but that's my dad talking about his shooting um, when he was a a rookie. Um, So uh, good story, all that. But um, I've heard that story a million times. But when he told it on the podcast, it still, there was levels of difference to it. You know, I'm also applying what I know as a cop now, but as he tells it, like his memory strikes up, you know, like it's just a different environment for him. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and I've had uh, Bruce Anderson is by far still my favorite episode that I've ever done. I think it's episode 23. Anybody listen to me, if I recommended an episode for you to listen of my show, it's his because he has a legit PTSD moment on the show. Um, wow. I haven't seen he, this 
that he thought he was past. So it's a twofold episode. One, you learn from what it's like to go through a shooting and two, you get to see in real time. No, I mean, he goes through it again. He thought he was past it and he breaks down and it's, that was the episode right after Brandy's correct. Cause you and Brandy were talking about, so you got Brandy's then Matt's cause Matt's shooting Matt Pierce. Okay. Um, and then I think okay. maybe Bruce Anderson. So yeah, episode it's episode 23, Bruce Anderson. So if you haven't seen that one, obviously um, that's the one I recommend. Whenever I tell anybody to watch my show, that's the episode I recommend um, because it is so, and, and, and I'm not a big fan. Of, like I do the video podcast part as like a bonus. Like if you got the time, I know most people listen. But if I were to recommend to actually sit down and watch an episode, watch Bruce Anderson's episode because you see the compassion, you see the emotion, you see everything he's going through as he's talking about it. And he goes from happy go lucky to like, Hey man, how's it going? You know, all cool. I like your podcast. And and then he goes in the story and he's like, yeah, so it was this. And then something changes. Like he starts to relive it. And it's important for people yeah. to see that. And uh, that's why that, that's why it's one of my, that that is my favorite episode. He was very reserved about it afterwards. He's like, you sure? I, he, he trusted me. He's like, I trust you as a brother. Uh, you won't steer me wrong. And I have never had more um, feedback, positive feedback from across the nation, across the world. I had people from Germany, France, Reach out to me about that episode. And I don't have that type of followers. I don't have followers. I don't have millions of followers. I don't have hundreds of thousands. I have like 5,000 maybe. And that's across all, all my social media platforms. When you look at my YouTube views, I've only got like maybe 300 views per episode on average. That's, um, that's not huge. That's like tenfold from mine. Right. (laughs) And it's it's a building process. Now, yeah. Brandy's episode that you talked about, she has such a huge following already because of her social media. I've got about 6,000 views on her episode, but that's mm-hmm. the only one. Um, and that's just her followers that probably watched that. So, Oh, she's a she's a dynamic guest anyway in storytelling. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's awesome. And what's funny, small world, um, her mother was my dad's work wife. Like they grew, oh, really? they grew up through the department right. together. Yeah. Yes, so, I remember that from the show. Yeah. So um, Brandy and I have a connection because when I would come down to Texas as a Flint boy, you know, my mom and dad were separated. I would come down here to visit my dad. Brandy was a friend growing up as a kid. So small world. But um, yeah, it, it's that episode alone. Like I tell people, it's it's not about me. I don't give a shit about me. I, I, I'm here to educate and I'm here to, like you, I'm trying to share perspective that people don't get to see. And I'm not throwing it in your face like you need to see our perspective. I want you to see it and say, I still think you guys are full of shit. Or, you know what? I didn't look at it that way. Thank you for taking the time to explain it. That, that's all I'm looking for is just uh, some sort of objective um look at what we're doing to try to bridge that gap. And it, it, like you said, people don't want to be cops right now. 
Why? I love my job. I wish people could see the way I see this job, but I have a very skewed view because I'm supported where I'm at. Right. The citizens love us because we do what they want us to do versus a city like Minnesota where they're having a lot of, they're having a hard time. And it's not that the cops aren't serving the way they want them to. I'm not saying that it's just, it's a political hotbed. So what do those guys do? How do they help themselves? I think this is a way to do it. And I, I invite any cop out there to copy what I'm doing. I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to hone the market on anything. Um, we all copied something from somebody because we, none of us are reinventing the wheel. Right? Yeah. We're, we're just adding different rims to it uh, yeah. to make it look a little bit different, make it fit uh, whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish. And uh, I love the idea of the fireside chats. I think yeah. that is phenomenal idea. Yeah, so I met one sergeant uh, from the college. He uh, retired from Chicago PD. Of course, that's and, almost and, every major college. It's all retired, like major yes. city cops. Yes, yeah. So he 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 retired, and I think it was in like the mid nineties after oh, twenty fuck. plus years yeah, in, in Chicago PD. And Let me tell you about the Cubbies. Oh my God! No, he's a Sox fan. Oh, so he's got issues. Okay, I get it. He's a Sox fan. Anyway, he 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 told he told stories about the dividing line. If you're north of this line, you're one. If you're south of this line, you're the other, and you don't cross yeah. neighborhoods, right? It's it's like it's a gang mentality, uh, yeah. almost like you know uh, uh, CrossFitters in their cult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you fit sons of bitches. But uh, he he tells us fantastic, and, and I'll just I'll give a sneak a sneak preview of his story because uh, I don't know that he's ever going to come on the show. I've been trying, <laughs> trying to get him to come on the show. But it's Chicago in the winter, and there's like nine feet of snow, and he's on patrol. And in that time, they didn't have radios in the car. This is like in the 80s. They, okay. they had radio cars, but not right. every car had a radio. You had call stations. There was a call box. Yes. Uh, on a corner somewhere. And if the light yep. was on, you had to make your way to the call box to get the call. Well, this particular winter evening, he was in his car and uh, turned the, the heater on and finally got the car comfortable to where he could take a nap. Risky. And, okay. Yes. Yes. And uh, because it's snowing, there's nine feet of snow outside, and there's you know there's yeah. nothing happening. You, you know so, the, the response ability is very limited. Very limited. So he he finally nuzzles up against the the window, and then he hears, and he looks up, and there's somebody standing at his window. So he rolls it down like this. He's like, yeah. Guy says, I need to go to the hospital. Because that's what the homeless people would do. They get cold. They want to go to the hospital, get warm. Yeah. Get something to eat, you know? So this sergeant, <clears throat> go down two blocks. There'll be an ambulance coming by in about an hour. <laughs> Roll this window back up, and that was it. That, that was, was it. That's all, that's all he was getting. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> 
people are going to get all upset and say, Oh, who is he? Oh, we got to yeah. know. And you got to understand like that Different was the time. culture of things. It's not yeah. how things were then based on They're the it. technology and the abilities and everything that they had available and training. Mm-hmm. That was it. That was it. Yeah. And, and that was standard operating procedure. That was, the, you know, yeah, it was a different time, and yes, I'll probably get some hate mail over that. But these are the funny stories. They're funny Talking. to us. Yeah, right. And I am opening this up to the entire world, so some of the stories need to be either yeah. censored a little bit or just not shared in this forum. But that's one that I that has always struck me as being both funny and historically correct. Right. In that yeah. it, it just that's yeah. the. That's, I can tell you as a uh, a child of the 80s and growing up in Michigan, you guys have no idea what it's like to get nine, ten feet of snow in a night, in a night No, from the lake effect snow. So it is very plausible. You have a night where you already know you're not getting anywhere. You know it. You better have gotten everything done because you knew the storm was coming. You know, weather technology was a little bit better when I was a kid than, you know, but I knew like, okay, snowstorm's coming. I need mm-hmm. to do this, that, and the other. Or as a kid, you know, in the eighties, it was like, oh shit, we're about to get six feet of snow tonight. I'm going to go get my snow fort stuff ready. Ready. Yeah. <laughs> Hit the ground running in the morning. <laughs> as a cop, you know, I can look back and think like, yeah, I, I know exactly what I would have done. I would have found uh, a nice parking garage or or whatever, and huddled up in the in that to avoid snow piling up on my vehicle and waited for the most serious of calls. Right. Yeah. There's which, no proactivity at that point, which typically <laughs> didn't happen because everybody else knew. Now the thing that you had to worry about, I think, drinking is a little heavier, so the domestics would tend to spike sure. during those times. Um, yeah, I, but, I see. That. But but driving accidents and things like that, you didn't get them because everybody knew. Don't go on the road. It's it's about to go down. Like so, you you, you didn't you, you would get some out of state yahoos that would do some dumb dumb stuff. <laughs> it keeps happening. That's awesome. My bad. It's my. That's right. I, I am uh, Wi Fi up. I don't have a hard wire. So um, yeah. So you were saying. The uh, the out of town folks would cause the problems. Yeah, and- yeah. You get the out of town folks that show up and try to drive and cause accidents and stuff like that. So, um, like people here in Atlanta that try to drive on a dusting of snow and we shut down the whole city. Yeah, I've noticed that in the South. Everybody thinks when a little bit of snow hits or a little bit of ice comes out that everything needs to shut down. It's comical. I understand though, they're just not equipped to deal with it. So yeah. Like my first year here, they had like a significant ice storm to which I've never seen. And I grew up in a winter city, a winter state. And they had no equipment to combat it. I'm like, what is cobblestone ice? I've never even heard of this. How did you allow this to happen? And basically what cobblestone ice is is you get that freezing rain. And if you don't have equipment to to start taking that stuff out of there, it turns into like these big pitted ice traps Mm. and they had nothing to deal with it down here in Texas. So cobblestone ice is a real deal. 
That's not whiskey, sir. Uh, no. <clears throat> so that last little sip. <clears throat> Excuse me. That last little sip went down. The right time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it happens. Ooh, and at 100 proof, whoo, that was um, – Ooh, that burned just a little bit. And yes, let all the hate mail come in. I am a professional bourbon drinker, but wow, that one just went down the wrong way. Anyway, uh, yeah, so can you imagine, and I, and I love this this old Chicago retiree, he would tell stories that, I mean, they would go to lunch and they'd get a beer at lunch. Yeah, yeah on duty. Yeah, yeah, on duty, in uniform. Yep. What are your thoughts on that? Can yeah, I mean? Right? Can you imagine that now? Yeah, work would go by so much quicker if we it could do that. <laughs> <laughs> it might make it a little more bearable. In the right. way. <laughs> yeah, you said it was you know, well into either the late '80s or early '90s before that went away. Yeah, um, I've never seen it. I've, I've never oh. seen that portion of law enforcement. Um, but I know it was there. Yeah, for sure. I know it was there. But I man. Think New York had one too. I think they had a policy one one drink. Yeah, uh, on shift. one or two drinks. Yeah, yep. Yeah, that would have been that would have been awesome. Yeah, God bless the Irish. <laughs> right. I understand why it doesn't exist. Yeah, I don't want anybody out there to get all mad. Like, oh, um, alcoholic. No, I'm no, just saying. Just the good old days. I'm just saying it would be cool. It would be. <laughs> it would be. Uh, I feel like. I feel like detectives probably could get away with it a little bit better than what patrol yeah, guys. Do. Yeah, they're not on the streets. Yeah, yeah, they could keep old uh, bottle of scotch in the desk drawer like on Blue Bloods. <laughs> yeah, right. or just on the damn counter on the table. Yeah, yep. <laughs> All it takes is for the captain to walk through and what the fuck is that? Yeah, you want some? And yeah, that would yeah, be the exactly. end of it. All right, the end of it. Got some for you too, sir. I got two glasses. <laughs> two glasses. Hang up. It's clean here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what is what is the nastiest thing that has happened while you were at work? Nastiest. Whether, yeah, Air Force or uh, Michigan or now down in Texas. So, um, I had a homeless guy that. Uh, was refusing to leave a 7-Eleven. And uh, they said he was drunk, intoxicated. So I show up. He is um, basically passed out. Not quite, but... And he had probably four or five um, Steel Reserve uh, cans laying all around him. So he got toasted, drunk, drunked up right next to the dumpster there at the 7-Eleven. When I got there, his uh, his weenie was out for everybody to see. Oh, He's no. passed out for the most part. Well, homeboy hadn't had a shower since uh, 1972. So um, I I have a bad gag reflex for smell. I don't oh, have smell. The, okay. I don't have the greatest sniffer, but when it's a bad smell my gag reflex comes out real easy. So uh, I get up there and I'm like, come on, I'm trying to wake him up. And when I moved his coat, the funk 
came right in and I was like, you know, and I'm dry heaving. So I realized this guy's so drunk. He's a medical issue. He's no longer a law enforcement issue. Okay. So our ambulance shows up. Here you go, guys. (laughs) He's yours. All packaged up and ready for you. Yep. They say, nope, we're not transporting him. I'm like, what do you mean? You can't you can't say no. Can you? Can you? <laughs> they did. And I don't blame them. And I said, I am not. I'm not. I can't. Like, I cannot stomach him in my vehicle. We're talking a close quarters environment with no ventilation. I can't deal with this dude. Now, he wasn't, like, so drunk that I was worried. I was legitimately worried about his safety. Um, that was just your way of yes, getting to, someone else to help him. Yes, yes, somebody so, more qualified. So I realized this, the 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 place across the street was an abandoned area, and uh, I walked him over there. It took a while because he was, like I said, he was drunk, but we got him over there. And he decided he was going to sleep it off there. So I parked my car in that driveway and I just sat on the call until he finally shift was just about done. He woke up. He was good to go. He walked away. There was no more complaints. There was no nothing. So I figured a way around his stank ass because he was so bad. I couldn't. There's no way I would have made it. To the jail, <laughs> and there's no way they would have accepted him into the jail, so they had to drive down to the hospital right. for them to get pissed off at me. It was so bad, it was so nasty. And mm. all I could think was all this funk came from his nasty, exposed wiener. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh wow, yeah, yeah, that. I mean, I can appreciate that story. I've had my fair share of um, funked to five yeah. people. There's a there's a homeless smell, and, I, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. I it's know. just they don't have regular access to to wash. I mean, and oranges have a smell. Yeah, there's a certain has a smell. Yep, funk but has a smell. There's a certain funk that develops after so long of being out on the street. Yeah. Yes. I agree. That guy had the amplified effects of it. So, Uh, um, ever ever had a a dead guy throw up on you? I haven't had a dead guy throw up on me. I have had. I fell through a dead guy's liquids. Oh, yeah. So I had a a dead lady. Um. Texas heat gets pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a call of uh, a welfare check, if you will, at a house. I get there. I see the mails piled up. I see the, the, the newspapers are piled up on the, the, the porch. And I'm like, oh, shit. Whoever it is is probably dead. So I get to the door. I could smell a dead person. I knew, you know, there's a certain smell. So I called the Sarge. Hey, this is what I got. And he's like, all right, you know, call FD, have him bust the door open for you. 
and uh, go see what you see. All right. He's on his way. So we go out there and I have a partner with me and I, I'm like, I think they're to the right. <laughs> so I'm like, in my head, I didn't say it out loud. All right, okay. Like, uh, I'll go left. You go right. <laughs> so I go left and I'm like, all right, hopefully I don't, I don't run into the, whoever is deceased. And uh, I go, I get into the garage and it's very apparent. As soon as we walk in the house, this person's a hoarder. Oh, so okay. everything's stacked up. Mm-hmm. There's only these little pathways through the house. So I get to the garage and um, I, I see how stacked up it is, but I'm following this little pathway through the middle and I slide. I'm like, Oh shit. And um, I take a knee. I don't go all the way down, but I take a knee and uh, I get back up and I slid through her. Like she had melted and uh, yeah. That's her heart, but Oh yeah. She was every bit of 350 plus pounds. Oh yeah. So there was a lot. And uh, it soaked into almost everything around me that like the boxes like that I tried to grab onto to catch myself and whatnot. Yeah, it was, that was a bad one. And uh, yeah, she basically what she, she had fallen and the stuff crushed her and she couldn't get up. Oh, gosh. And, uh, because of her extreme weight and her unhealthy lifestyle, she, she, this passed away out there in the garage and then the old Texas heat got to bake her away. And that yeah, was bad. Nasty. Yeah. Nasty, oh. nasty, nasty. Yeah. I think that's worse than my story. Yeah. Still didn't stink as bad as the homeless dude. <laughs> <laughs> and that's being honest. Yeah. Uh, so I, I also had a Wilfo check. Uh, holiday weekend, Labor Day weekend, and uh, Homer, we'll just call him, okay. was seen on on Friday, walking into his apartment by the uh, leasing staff with uh, two 24-case packs of Natty Light. Sounds like a party. Sounds like a party, right? Uh, first floor apartment. That was the last they saw him. And uh, all of the family was out of state, and nobody could come with a key. So the leasing staff uh, was very, very worried because he normally stopped in to say hello to all the pretty ladies that worked in uh, the leasing office, and he hadn't been there since Friday. And this was now Tuesday after Labor Day. Okay. And so we get the call. And as soon as we get to the front door, the odor, uh, you could hear the blowflies in the window next to the front door buzzing around. Also, bad sign number two. And the apartment manager opens the door for us. And in the living room, as you walk in on the couch, was the yipper dog barking. Sparky, and on the floor in front of the couch was Homer, face down, in his tidy whiteies. Was uh, uh, Yippy Dog well fed? Yippy Dog was well fed. That's what I yes. figured. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Homer um, 
was again, he was in his in his tidy whities face down. Mm-hmm. And we start looking around in uh, his sliding glass door for his patio faced the pool with a chair, an end table next to the chair facing the pool, a box of Kleenexes, a nice thing of Lubiderm lotion. Of course. And the empties, station. In, empties all over the apartment. I mean, all over the apartment. Okay. His dining room, this apartment had a, had a dining room to it, had beer can castles in it. Okay. Yeah. So we start looking, you know, further and uh, nothing else was in the rest of the apartment. So we come back to, to Homer and he has DRT. Of uh, course. Yeah. For those that don't know, DRT is dead right there. I and confirm. It, you confirm. Uh, no fingertips. Uh, no toes. Puppy got a hold of him. Pup, puppy got hungry. Yeah. And so we call the coroner or the – we have an ME, medical examiner. Not yeah. <clears throat> call the ME and he shows up and Homer's too big for ME to do by himself. So – me and my zone partner have to help the uh, the Emmy. Ooh, get, the funk comes out when you yeah. move them. Yeah, to try to get them into the bag. Yep. My zone partner, nasty. She got the ankles, and I I got the torso. She picked up before I did. It was supposed to be one, two, three, and up. So some she went one one two and three. She went up. So everything went forward. And out his mouth and onto my boots. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That happens. So I much have, for them boots. Well, oh, yeah. Those those $250 pair of Danners went into the garbage. Yep. Uh, it was – so you have a gag reflex with odor. I do with vomit. I, yeah. I, I am a member of the Stand By Me Puke-Arama. Yes. Barfarama. Barfarama. Yeah. Yes. If I hear it, see it, smell it, I'm joining in. I'm helping out. It's going to be a party. I'm. Yep. yep. <laughs> it yeah. was. It was the worst, the most disgusting, the awful. I had a a dead, <sighs> a same thing. Mail piled up. Welfare check. Go inside. Um, he was perfectly preserved. From the salt from his sweat, he was mummified. Really, that's yeah. interesting. It was weird. He was a black male, but when I found him, I could have—if you would have asked—swear on the stand, this dude was a white male. Just the way the salt wow. had mummified him from his own sweat. Basically, his AC unit wasn't turned on. He was in the upstairs room of his own house. And passed away on his couch, but his it, it was hot. It was summertime, and uh, yeah, his own salt mummified him. That's it was interesting. That's crazy. Yeah, no smell. Yeah, it was real weird. No smell. No smell. No. With the heat, no smell. Nothing. Wow. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. 
Yeah, it was it was it was interesting. Um, wow, I Are remember you number three. Yeah, I I think I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I'm fighting it right now. <laughs> Can I go to the bathroom real quick and come right back? Yeah, we're gonna take a pause. Station right. identification. Yeah, I'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick. I'll be right back. You're breaking the seal. You're breaking the seal. Oh, folks, we're going to have our second plug for the Knock and Talk show, which is not a paid sponsor. They could be if they would like to be. Uh, but Rogue American Apparel, uh, RAA, that is my favorite uh, veteran-owned apparel company. And uh, I sport their shirt um, quite often. This glass that uh, that I'm drinking from is from RAA. And my wife, uh, Sam, steals all of my shirts uh, as soon as they come out of the dryer and get folded and put into my drawer as her sleep shirts. They are so comfortable, uh, whether you're working out or whether you're trying to sleep. So uh, Rogue American Apparel, that is my free plug for a uh, veteran-owned business. So check them out at uh, – I'm not even sure what the website is. I just have the app which they have an app, by the way. So there's there's that. And then uh, the free plug for today's bourbon, once again, is the Old Fourth Distillery here in um, Metro Atlanta. It is uh, uh, by far my favorite uh, local bourbon. Um, also check out ASW if you can. Uh, they have uh, a great lineup of bourbons, too. And then here recently in the city of Cumming, which is where uh, I reside, there is a distillery called Legends. Legends Distillery. They have, oh, look, a nice bottle for round four. Now that the seal is broken and uh, good now. Yeah, Eric is back <laughs> with us. So I was doing a, I was doing some free plugs of uh, companies that are not current paid sponsors but okay could be um um so one of the things i wanted to mention to you always have a piece of paper and a pen with you mm -hmm. so anytime you have pauses or things you know you need to edit you write your times down that you're looking at on your pat your podcaster pro roadcaster pro there you go <laughs> and there it is uh 132 is where we're at that's what's up yeah. So, uh, so yeah, um, those are some pretty disgusting stories. Um, yeah, I got tons yeah. of those, <laughs> and, and it's a it it is a shame. I mean, we there there's a, a plethora of stories that we could get into that some people probably would not like to hear. So let's get back to some funny Shasta. Okay. Um, are you an FTO? Uh, I was at one point. Okay. At one point, you were an FTO. Yeah, I actually was an academy instructor for three years. Oh, shut the front door. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, stupidest thing a rookie did. Okay. Stupidest thing a rookie did. Stupidest thing. Stupidest. Um, stupidest. Which, would, which should be funny in and of itself. Yes. So, um, okay. Uh I wasn't the FTO at the time. I actually was this guy's academy instructor at one point. He was in his FTO phase, okay, with his first phase FTO. Now, I'm working a part-time 
And uh, this cab keeps driving. I see him drive around a couple times around the block. And um, he must have spotted me about the third time he comes around. And he stops. And he gets out. And he's like, this guy's not not paying his fare. Basically, he's holding this guy hostage because this guy's not paying. And uh, he sees me. And he pulls over. So I'm like, I'm working a part-time. I'm not. I have nothing to do with this. So I'm like, I need a unit over here. I've got I've got an issue. I don't know what's going on, but I'll figure it out why you guys head this way. So I find out that basically the guy in the backseat wasn't paying the the fare. And I talked to the guy and he's like, I don't have any money. <laughs> okay. So uh, right. I do the good, you know, guy thing. I, I get everybody's information and I start running the, the guy in the backseat and, um, I get the cab information, the business information, the VIN number. I, I get everything. Um, and I write it all down. By the time the rookie gets there with his FTO, so the rookie gets there and he doesn't say anything to me really. He just goes over to the driver. So I look over at the FTO who I'm friends with and I say, um, what's he doing? He goes, he's training. I don't know what he's doing. And I'm like, do you want me to? Let him sink, or what do you want me to do? He's like, just let him, let him keep going. I'm like, okay, cool. Okay. Um, I have bad guy's cell phone and wallet. And I said, well, here's his stuff. And he goes, I don't want it. Give it to him. I said, okay. So I go over to him. Hey, I got this guy's stuff. What do you want me to do? Set it on the car. Okay. So a lot of times officers set stuff on the patrol car. Mm-hmm. Me, I always try to set things on the, the windshield. So if I couldn't drive off and I forget that I have it, at least I got some sort of visual cue. So I set it on the, I I go to set it on the driver's side windshield and he goes, well, I'll take it. I'll take it. So he takes it and he goes over and he talks to the driver some more. I'm not sure what he's trying to figure out, but I've got all the information. He goes over to his FTO, starts talking to him and then, sets the stuff down on the passenger side corner of the windshield. Okay. Keep the mental note of that. Um, then he goes to talk to the bad guy. Still hasn't asked me for any information. Okay. And I look over at my FTO friend and say like, here, take this sheet of paper. I know you're going to need it, but, it's all the information that you're going to need to run this call. All right. And, uh, he's like, I, you know, he tucks it in his pocket. He's like, I'm letting him do his thing. He knows he can come to me if he's got questions. And so, um, and, and long story short, this, this rookie got fired. He ended up getting fired because he just couldn't do the job. Um, so anyway, uh, 45 minutes, he talks to the driver. 45 minutes and he talked to the bad guy all of maybe three mm. okay cuffs him up takes him to the jail now i go back to work in my part-time i get a i hear a call over the radio um you know to your my unit can you um can you give me the case number now, anybody that's done patrol work knows you ask dispatch for your case number. If you're if you're writing a report or whatever it is, you ask dispatch for your case yeah. number. So I'm like, I 
how the fuck would I know what your case number is? I don't know. So I do what you're supposed to. Hey, this is, I'm just making up this. This is George 420. Go ahead, George 420. Hey, uh, can you give me George uh, 310's case number? Yeah. George 310's case number. And the dispatch totally knows what's going on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. George 310's case number is da 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 da. I'm like, okay. Hey, George 420 to 310. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, your case number uh, per dispatch is da 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 da. So, um, what he was trying to ask me for was for my public service number, which is a common term where I'm at for your cell phone. Basically, he wants to know how to call me. Uh, so, we'll ask a lot of time, hey, what's your public service? Your public service is your phone number. I think it's a okay. stupid way to just say, what's your phone number? I don't say public service. I say, what's your phone number? Call me, you know, or whatever it is. Anyway, where I'm at, we say public service. And so, what he meant to ask for was for my public service. So he asked me to switch channels. Okay. To so like from, a talk around channel? Yeah, to talk one instead of talking okay. on main air, which anybody in patrol knows. As soon as you ask somebody to go to talk one, everybody, everybody goes, else. Everybody else is going to talk one to hear your dumb shit. So, uh, <laughs> hey, um, what's your public service number? And I'm like, oh, it's such and such. And, uh, Instead of asking me, calling me and asking me, he says, um, where's his cell phone? That's what he asked me on talk one. On Wow. And so I'm trying to throw him a bone. I'm like, call me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm trying to help him out. Like, I don't, I don't want to make it's, you know, it's okay to make somebody look dumb to make them learn a lesson, but I'm not his FTO. So I'm not trying to make him look dumb. Right. I'm trying to help him out. So, um, he calls me and he's like, oh, where's his cell phone? I'm like, I don't know. I gave you his cell phone. No, you didn't. I'm like, you were talking to the driver. And I walked over and I gave you a cell phone and his wallet. And when the last time I saw you, you had walked over to your FTO and put it on the passenger side windshield. He's like, I don't think that's where I put it. I was like, well, go take a look. Maybe check out your video camera from your dash cam. Because everything we have, you can look on your cell phone. You can review from your oh, cell phone or from, really the, cool. from the MBC, the computer inside the car. So um, I get a call a little bit later. Okay, yeah, I did set it there, but I can't find it. Do you know where it would be? So I'm like, well, I can go backtrack on the ground in the area. So I go look, and it's not there. And I said, logically speaking, because I'm working downtown his drive from there to the jail wouldn't have been that far. And the, he only would have made one turn. And I said, I would check that turn because it may have fell off on that turn. So he goes back and sure shit. There's the cell phone. There's the wallet (laughs) laying on the ground. Now uh, at the time I was no detective, but uh, my detective skills had really come across on that one. Yeah. So. So there's your clue. Yeah, so uh, there's probably dumber rookie calls that I've seen, probably done myself, but that one in particular stood out because he did end up ultimately getting booted from the department and uh, probably shouldn't have made it through the academy to begin with. Yeah, so we had one of those in my academy. Um, He's a sergeant now, and I don't know how (laughs) 
<laughs> That's the way it goes, bro. Yeah, I, it's, I, I think you gotta fuck up that, the promotive. That whole past the he promote him so he's somebody else's problem. I, I right. don't I don't I don't know, but um that that story leads me to ask you this question. You know, we all buy these really expensive, really nice aluminum or black coated uh form holders with the clipboard that you can put uh you know like your cheat sheets in there and all yeah how many of those have you lost <sighs> and everybody that's in patrol okay. knows what i mean by how many of those have you lost okay so i can't lie i i had the benefit of having a dad that was in law enforcement okay he taught me the trick of magnets oh beautiful yes so I, every one that I had, I glued a magnet to, and you set it on the car, and inevitably you drive away, and I'm already, I can tell the drinks are getting me, I can't even say inevitably, there we go, uh, and inevitably uh, you drive off. You're and are speaking in cursive, that's all. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I've added a magnet to it just because I listened to some wisdom passed on from the old man. That is that is a life hack. So rookies, yes. whether you're whether you're an FD or, or PD, or even yep. in the military, because I'm sure the Humvee has uh, has some magnetivity. I think this is sort of magnetism. Yeah, magnetism. Magnesium. Anyway, I can't tell you how many times. Yeah. Put it in drive. Hit the gas, and then you hear, <laughs> and you look in your rearview mirror. And then there's this plume of paperwork just floating down the road. Uh, Shout out to Otterbox because when Otterbox was a kind of a newer thing, I had dumbass set my phone up on the light bar because I used my phone to take pictures of some evidence. And for whatever reason, I set it up on the light bar and we're driving and I was probably driving for about 20 minutes. And then I, took a turn and I heard I was like what the hell was that so I stop and I'm looking around I don't see anything and I'm like that was weird and I jumped back in my car and luckily I had the habit before taking off I'm like oh I wonder where my cell phone is and I start reaching around where's my cell phone and I start thinking and I'm like oh shit I set it on the light bar Oh, I hope to God that was my cell phone that I heard fall off. And I go back and there's my cell phone in the middle of a roadway. Uh, You know, I was working midnight, so the traffic was light, but um, I didn't have any issues. But yeah. Um, And and right now, like my cell phone, like that, that is not an OtterBox by any means. It's very thin. So um, So back, back in the days of carbon copy reports, handwritten reports, I mean, that's how... I think the dinosaurs had just extinct when I started. Yeah. yeah I, I, I can't tell you the number tickets of. Tickets were the only thing that I've ever had to deal with that are handwritten. Oh, bless your heart. Yeah. You For don't know me. the struggles. You don't know the struggles of, uh, of a lieutenant that um, take your report. It's a great report. And these are, there's carbon copies. Great report. Except for this one line. <laughs> and hand it back to you. And now you've got to write the whole I'm thing. I'm going to need to redo over. that. 
over again. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then if you left it on the roof without magnets, so like that, <laughs> how many reports I had to rewrite from memory? Yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was um, struggles. I tell you, struggles. I was a big fan of the writing your accident reports by hand. I I still to this day prefer doing accident reports by hand. Uh, not that I do accident reports anymore. That's well beyond what I do now. But I hated having to pull diagrams over and do all that when it took me 10 minutes to just take my little tool. Yeah. Yeah. And draw it on there. And that was it. Yeah. Quick, fast, in a hurry. Um, now, I... I don't know if this is everywhere. It's not where I'm at yet, but I heard now you can take Google maps and you just take a clip of where the accident occurred and you can just place things. Yeah. That's what I heard. I heard that's where we're at now with our accident reports. If that's the truth, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So when I started, we, we had a filing cabinet in the precinct of every major intersection in the whole precinct of pre-drawn intersections. Yep. Somebody went through and drew it and it got approved. So now there's, and if you pulled the last one, your job was to go to the printer, the copier and make 25 copies of it Mm -hmm. back in the folder. And then they came out with, I don't remember the name of the program, but where you had to do it on your computer and you had to like, Easy draw. That's what it was called. Easy draw. And it took like an hour just to do the daggum diagram. And I, I'm like you, it was so much faster. Pull out the blue blitz, do your little stencil and on the pre-printed paperwork and attach it and and move on. So. Yeah. When I was on bikes working in a downtown area, we had one officer that had went through and taken the time to make every intersection in the downtown area specifically for the bike unit. And when I went through that, I was like, bought him oh, a bottle oh, of old fourth distillery bourbon. I took him to lunch. Yeah, you took sure? him to lunch. Yeah. I was like, and he had, he had had it made for, you know, at least a year prior to me being on the unit, but I had an accident and he goes, Hey, his name is, is actual name was happy uh happy was like uh hey dude i I got i got these on a thumb drive all the intersections i was like what 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 do you mean you got all the intersections i'm like all of them in downtown and he's like yep i was like how he's like i made them i was like what the fuck you made all the intersections he's like yeah And, and i looked at it and it wasn't that he just made the intersections i mean he put every little detail I'm like, how do you, he goes, every day that it rains, I make a map. Every day that it rains, because you're on bikes, right? So when it's raining out there, you, you're not riding around. No. So he would, he just plugged away, kept a folder, and made a map for every intersection. And wow. it's still used to this day. Bless Happy's heart. Yes. I, I now have the name of my future dog. Happy? Yep. Yeah, that's a cool name, ain't it? It is. It's yeah. pretty cool. It was cool because he was a he was a black officer with pure white hair, 
and he retired the the year that I made that unit. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He was it was a unique dude. Unique dude. I but mean you brought up a very interesting point. You know, in the state of Georgia, it is statistically proven there are fewer traffic infractions on rainy days. Really? Statistically proven. Now, do you know what drives that statistic? I don't. Nobody wants to get out of their car in the rain. Yeah, that's definitely true. So less tickets. Now, there's more accidents, but there's less there's less speeding tickets. There's less. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so that's just. Do you want to talk about who, who was it? Was it FDR? There's there's statistics and there's damn statistics. Or no, that yeah, was yeah. it was Reagan, wasn't it? I don't know. I have to look. Anyway, I just thought that I'd point that out. That yeah, on many days it is statistically proven there were fewer traffic infractions. Yeah. Well. I can agree because when the weather's bad, I'm like, I ain't doing anything. (laughs) Okay. All right. So here's a question that I ask all my patrol guys and you were once in patrol. So this, this is, this is a valid question to you. Are you a tucker or an untucker? Uh, Are we referring to our vest? Uh, Rain jacket. Did you tuck your rain jacket inside your gun belt? No, have it untucked over the side over my belt. Who the what? hell would tuck it inside their belt? I'm a tucker because it looks cleaner. I can get to my gun and my radio and my handcuffs and my ass baton without having to move the jacket out of the way. Oh, you're nuts. There's no I way. Uh-uh. Yep, I was a tucker. Nope. Yep. Now I'm I was in the Air Force, but my FTO, but both of my FTOs were Marines. And you know, Marines have the sharpest dress uniforms. Yeah. Hands down. And they carried that into the their patrol world. And the jacket had to be tucked inside the gun belt. There's no so, damn way. Yeah. Not with a leather gun belt. I am not getting my leather gun belt soaking wet. And I am also not trying to keep up with the maintenance that needs to be done when your your belt has had moisture all over it all day long or however oh, your shift is it doesn't in georgia the humidity it's 90 percent or higher yeah 90 percent of the time so i mean we were just moisture driven and it didn't yeah. matter whether it was dripping or if it was just hovering in the air yeah yeah it didn't matter i mean yeah and uh, you're 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 an academy guy and i know you're a bit of a firearms guy we carried the smith 5906 when i first mm-hmm piece of junk i'm not a smith and wesson fan oh yeah i'm a i've carried six i've carried clock i've carried beretta um carried smith and um glock is my all-time favorite and then sigs and then i don't really care for berettas or smith and wessons personally um but right now i'm i'm a glock fanboy so uh down and dirty you want a gun that goes bang when you pull the trigger you want a glock now if you Mm -hmm. want to if you want a gun that you know you can dress up in a nice dress and take it out in a for for a nice steak dinner there are other guns you can spend lots of money on right but if you want a gun that goes gonna go bang every single time you pull the trigger and it doesn't have to be a sexy gun it just needs to be a functioning gun Uh, that one in the background 
that's right there that's a Glock. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Glock is 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 not a sponsor of this show. Nope. This is just my personal opinion. Um, I have I've got a Kimber, I've got a, a Sig, I've got all kinds of others, but you know if if I'm going into battle and my life depends on the gun going bang, that gun's going to be a Glock. That is, is my... a Boba Fett. That is bad. That is a Boba Fett. That is bad. Dude. I don't know if you can see it on the camera. Oh, yeah. I can see all kinds yeah. of Boba That's Fett. That's all laser engraved. That's uh, Boba Fett holding his blaster. And then you've got the RMR. I don't know if you can see it in there. Yeah, it's but... a little a little dark, but I can see it. Yeah. Hey, so basically, I'm this try something new. So you and I both are still kind of new with, uh, with StreamYard. Hold that back up. I'm going to try to get this to go full frame with you. Nope, that's not it. That's not it. That's I don't know how to do this. Polar frame to me, because now I can see my my iPad and my whiskey and my solo layout. Boom, there it is. Oh, there you go. Look at that. All right, now, now throw that back up there. The RMR you were showing on the dovetail. Yeah, okay. Plug who did this because I know they're a sponsor of your show. Uh, yeah, that's um, HRH Combat Arms. Uh, that's hrhcombatarms.com if you're looking for them. And uh, Paul Ware and Steve Miller are the owners of that business. Both veterans, correct? Yes. Um, Paul is a retired uh, security forces Air Force guy. Steve Miller is a Marine. And um, Paul is also a retired sergeant from uh, a major pd okay right so i just learned i'll have to tell you how i did that but i just learned (laughs) i can i can make this either me yep um oh now i can see more i can see your uh roadcaster and i can see your yeah so this is uh rogue american apparel i I gave them a free shout shout out earlier while you were uh indisposed (laughs) <laughs> uh, that's my favorite uh veteran owned uh, apparel company really. okay um i would say my two favorite is mill spec monkey which is where i get my backpacks from and then um nine line apparel i like nine is, line yeah i get a i wear a lot of nine line stuff um my buddy company you know that? they're out of savannah oh are they really yeah, my my uh, buddy who just re- retired not too recently, but like maybe a year, two years from the Air Force, he is a nine line apparel um, affiliate now. So oh, good for him. Yeah, so he was um, reaching out to me. I'm, I'll probably be wearing some of their stuff soon. He's uh, sending me some shirts. That's awesome. So, yeah. Well, when you were in St. Augustine, you were just literally a few hours away from their headquarters. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, St. Augustine had the best peanut butter whiskey I've ever had. You know, I've got some peanut butter whiskey, and I love peanut butter. Peanut butter and chocolate. If I have two vices in my life, yeah, bourbon and peanut butter and chocolate together. You know that old commercial, you got your peanut butter on my chocolate. You got your chocolate on my peanut butter. Yeah. I don't care. I'll take it either way, peanut butter and chocolate. I yeah. can't do peanut butter whiskey. I, I was can't. the same way. I've tried screwball. I've tried all these different 
peanut butter or, you know, some one was called peanut butter and jelly. I've tried them. They're too sugary. I don't like the yep. sweet stuff. Yep. Where this place got it right is it's an infused peanut butter. And I think the difference is it's a whiskey with an infusion of some peanut butter rather than a bunch of sugar with a little bit of whiskey added to it, if that makes sense. So yeah. it, it actually tasted like a whiskey with a hint of peanut butter. Okay. And it was it still tasted like a whiskey instead of like you're drinking a dessert, which I'm with you. I don't like that. So um it's the I wish I could remember that I think it was Saint Augustine something or other, but I'll have to look them up. Yeah, it I'll was, give it a shot. I mean, again, if it's peanut butter and chocolate or peanut butter and bourbon or whiskey, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, it's not it's I'm telling you, it's it's worth trying. Um I'll have to figure out what the brand is, but yeah, yeah it was good stuff, man. Okay. Had a good time right. there. So detective, are you in a um are you in a generalized unit or are you in a specialized unit in CID? I am in a specialized unit, property crime specific. Okay. Pop property. So not just burglary, but all pop property crime? All property crime. So auto theft, um, burglary, uh, BMVs, uh, home invasions. Um, oh, come on. Now. Catalytic converter thefts, which is hey, huge. Let's go back. You just said something. It's a bit of a pet peeve of mine. There is, in the state of Georgia, there's no crime called home invasion. It's a burglary. In, yeah, we call it burg of a hab. Okay. That's what we call it. Burglary of a habitation. Okay. Um, it, it just the element of the home invasion is the fact that there was a resident or an occupant inside the home. Inside when it occurred. And a news station can sell yes. more whatever by right. using the term home invasion. But it's the crime itself, the elements of the crime. Right. It's just a burglary. But I support that spin because it is the ultimate um, invasion of privacy. You've got no fucking right in my home. No. And if I'm home when that happens, you're going to be lucky to walk out of there. Um, so for me, if, if I can bring as much attention to somebody breaking into your house, whether you want to call it a burglary of a habitation or however you want to spin it, if spinning it as a home invasion brings more attention to it, I'm all about it because wouldn't I think that it's one then, of the worst things that you can do. I, and I don't disagree. I don't. But in, inside departments and inside CID, there's a bit of a sibling rivalry between the different units. You've got property crimes and you've got persons crimes. Right, like robbery. And, and the the department I worked for, property crimes. Uh, was divided into each section. So you had a burglary unit, you had an auto theft unit, you had a financial crimes unit, and then you had a general crimes unit. Yeah. And then in the person's crimes, you had robbery slash homicide. They would only work together if the two overlapped. Otherwise, right. there were two separate units. Yep. And then you had special victims. And that was the either the the sexual or the emotional crime of either an elderly or a juvenile right um every once in a while the robbery homicide guys would get the adult rapes and they would call in a special victims detective to help them out with that um 
but if if you call the crime if you call a burglary a home invasion in our department robbery homicide would try to take it because it you know it involved a, you know a person being there and burglary didn't want to give it up yeah like, no 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 that's ours right we handle it um so i is that the same with with where you're at um I haven't personally faced any territorial issues. Okay. Um, That's good. If I say I want it, they give it to me. Okay. So um, even if it's a homicide, let's say, I could get a hold of the homicide unit and be like, hey, this burglary turned into, you know, somebody got shot. They're at the hospital, but they're still alive. And they're like, okay, just keep us posted. And you're still working the case, working the case. And all of a sudden it turns out they die. And then you're like, hey, I've done so much on this case already. Um, can you just be my second? Okay. Meaning I'm still working it. I'm doing it. And they're guiding me on any little things that I may need to shore up because that's their bread and butter. But no, for the most part, um, everybody works pretty good together. Um, I, I haven't had any territorial issues. Uh, and I think the reason being is there's so many calls <laughs> There's so many reports um, that nobody's hurting for work. Fair enough. So in that case, if you want to work something, you're going to take something off my plate. Here it is. Take it. <laughs> I get that, and that that's great. I'm not uh, coming uh, come from. I was pre like nine eleven, where yeah. information sharing was still nope. This is mine. Yeah, I'm not. You're not going to play in my playground. Go over there. That's yours. This is ours. The element now crossed. There's a person involved. Now there's an injury involved. It's now a person's crime. Yeah. Uh, so it, I was just that that just that pet peeve comes from those days yeah. where uh, somebody was trying to steal my burglary. And yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we don't. I never really, never really came across any of that. Um, and like I said, I actually pretty proud of my, at least where I'm at my department for being so open to that, you know, like, like just the, even on the, the breaking bad call, like they didn't have to let me play along. No, they didn't. But they did. We're very much a teaching um, oriented department and a progressive. And, and when I say progressive, I don't mean in a political way. I mean, progressive in a training way. We're always looking for the next latest and greatest and eliminating stuff that we know doesn't work. So it's not just finding out what's the latest and greatest because you may just be reinventing the wheel. There's no sure. reason to uh, repackage, relabel stuff that you're already doing. So we're very good at um, finding new new ways to do things um like the flock camera system and stuff like that that i was talking about that basically has changed the way that i do my detective work i use flock every day daily i mean i i've caught i've caught i've caught three stolen cars from separate incidences in one day and anybody that's done patrol work knows that that doesn't happen not often and that that's just from from a camera system that's cool that's pretty badass so yeah yeah. Going back to your your call with um the the chick and the Aryan brother and yeah and the your Walter White story. I've got to say kudos to your sergeant 
to allow you to stay. Yeah. When there's probably calls stacking up. Yep. Calls for service, and that's Uniform's job, calls for service. That's what they're supposed to be doing. Yep. It's answering those 911 calls and and realizing that you could learn from that and being, you know, uh, as a patrol sergeant myself, um, you, you, you know that sometimes if there's somebody not there, not everybody, not everybody else in the team's got to work harder to, to fill that void now that someone's not there to answer. Yeah. So yep. kudos to that sergeant, whoever that was. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just one of those things. Like I said, I, I think it's kind of indoctrinated in the department that I'm at is for the most part in general, everybody's about teaching and, and, and allowing the ability to learn from experiences that you don't get to face that often in patrol. So if you get a unique scenario or, or a unique scenario to you that you haven't faced yet and you let your Sergeant know, and that's the other part that I tell rookies quit being so afraid to not know things. Mm. That's a common thing with rookies is like they, they get vapor. I don't want to say vapor locked even. They just, they're embarrassed to admit they don't know a certain scenario. You're not going to know. I've handled a million domestics. It doesn't mean the next domestic I go on isn't going to throw me for a loop. Sure. It doesn't mean that I'm not going to know what to do. I'm like, oh shit, I don't, I don't know what to do. He's got three different wives. I've never seen that before. Whatever, you know, just making stuff up. But yeah, um, no, fair point. It's possible. So yeah. every call is different. So um, just being able to sit back and go, okay, this is different. I don't know what I'm doing here. This is unique. Hey, Sarge, um, I need I need another body out here. And I can I stick this one through because I, I I've never seen this. And your Sarge is going to let you do it um, unless calls are just so stacked. Right. Which may or may not be, you know, and it, if me, if I'm the sergeant out there, I am going to say, you know what, maybe I'll handle a few calls to let my guy go do his thing. And uh, you see that from the good sergeants. So, you do. Yeah. yeah. And, and I had, I had, I, w- I was blessed. My, my first patrol sergeant was that way. If, if there was a call or a learning experience, teachable moment, he would come out of the office, stop doing the lieutenant's job, uh, who, you know, what wasn't a proactive lieutenant, but he would come out of doing the lieutenant's job from the office and come out and shag calls just so that rookie could stay there. Yeah. And, and learn from that. Yeah. So, yeah. Kudos to those sergeants that are working sergeants. Yeah. And then if you got a good sergeant, your patrol guys aren't going to let your sergeant take a report. No. It's not going to happen. So, no. um, you and you see it when you're, when you're out there, if your sergeant is out shagging a call, you're like, I'll take that. Just let me wrap up here. You know, that's if yep. you're a sergeant out there and your guys aren't taking your calls from you, mm. it's time for a self-assessment. That's right. Look in the mirror, pal. <laughs> yeah. There's, Look in the mirror. there's something that's not, it's not them. It's you. So yes, yes. I, yeah. I absolutely agree. Absolutely yeah. agree. Have, yeah. Having been one and I, I have uh, emulated this particular sergeant. And his and his uh, leadership skills and his leadership style because he was the officer sergeant, um, and we all would have run into any burning building. We would have stormed any hill. Yeah, uh, with with him. And uh, I wanted 
my guys, loose term, but my troops to feel the same way. So I, I just, that <clears throat> for me, that's what I thought yeah. would work. I tell everybody, future leaders out there, if you know you're going to want to be a sergeant one day or whatever, some sort of leadership capacity, and you can be a leader as an officer. Um, all you need to do to be a successful leader that people respect is provide the tools for the people around you to succeed. That's it. So I don't, I don't need to take credit for anything. I don't need to do anything. I just need to make sure you have what you need to be successful because by proxy of you being successful, I will be successful. Right. And that's it. It's real simple. So I don't need a micro. I don't need to do any of that. I just, what do you need? You need more tint on your windows so you guys can blend in on a UC car. Okay, cool. Got it. Let me do the paperwork. Um, do you need, you know, do you need in-ear pieces for your, your microphones? Because, you know, it, it just helps you do your job better. Okay, let me see if I can get some fundage for your your ear pieces. If not, at least get you connected with a place that can give you a hefty discount mm-hmm. because it's a piece of equipment you need for work. And those little things are morale boosters for those guys that are out there trying to actually do the job. Now, if you got a shit troop that is going to be lazy and effective that's there just to collect a paycheck you can't you cannot spin your wheels on one person you can try do what you can do to try to get them but you got to look out for the bulk because that's what you got to deal with so um that person's either going to just continue to be the anchor or they're going to move because they don't want to be surrounded by a bunch of people that are constantly succeeding making them look bad and putting pressure on them as a team to step up which which leads me to my next question and that is what are your thoughts on the difference between rookie law and veteran law same same words on the same piece of paper the same page of your law book what are your thoughts on the difference between those Explain what you mean a little bit more. All right. So in in rookie law, you know, they're fresh out of the academy and the law is black and white. Yeah. And then you get three, five, seven, 12, 15 years experience under your belt. And you're looking at the same words on the piece of paper. You sort of alluded to this earlier about what's the right thing for that person. Right. What's the right thing for the community and how I handle this call. Do they go to the jail or do I yeah. let them detox for 45 minutes and I call them a ride? So expand on, on your theory on the difference now that I'm putting it in a box, the difference between rookie law and veteran law. Well, it it's that whole big picture perspective. And I think the big picture comes based on life experience. You don't have to be a 17-year veteran. You can be a one-year veteran that's, you know, 40 years old coming into the game for the first time. You could be that rookie that's, you know, 40, 41, 45 years old, and you've got all this life experience, but you'd never been a cop before. So you come in and, yeah, you're still trying to learn the laws and you're trying to figure out what you have as far as an offense and all that, but your life experience tells you, like, okay, what this guy did isn't uh, isn't worth ending his life for. Um, 
and I don't mean ending his physical life. I mean, ending like his career or whatever it is. Um, an example, an example I give of that is a, a UPS driver. I had pulled over a UPS driver as a, maybe a two year rookie DWI did the whole call. Boom. It's over with, right? He's, he got a DWI more than likely. I didn't, I didn't follow it up. He probably got fired from UPS. Da, 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 da. I followed the letter of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas today, um, had I pulled over that same guy in the same scenario, looking back on that call, the totality of the circumstances, he was two, two blocks from his house. Um, a DWI where I'm at is a class B misdemeanor. It was his first. He had no criminal record. I have the discretion. I could have for what I pulled him over for. I just pulled him over for speeding like six miles over something small, pulled him over. And, uh, it was slow. I had nothing else going on that night. And for whatever reason, that guy's vehicle caught my attention. And I said, you know what? I'm going to pull this guy over, see what I can find. I was fishing. Mm-hmm. I had an offense. I didn't pull him over for no reason, but I had an offense. He was doing six over. It was the best thing that happened that night. So all of a sudden I got an open container. Uh, I do the SFSTs on him. It wasn't the biggest failure in the world. There was no damage on his car. And he was close to home. Had I stepped back from myself for a second and looked at big picture, that guy would still have his job. He would have, I would have gotten him a ride home, taken him home, whatever. Now, looking back today. But rookie me didn't have that vision. I didn't see right. that. I, I just, okay, I'm trying to get everything together. Okay, I got this offense. I'm. It's not that you're not human. It's you've got so many new things running through your head of how you handle the law that's been broke that you don't have the wherewithal to step back and say, okay, I just because I can doesn't mean I have to. Sure. So nowadays, if I could tell people to start trying to look at the big picture quicker, it, it's hard to do. It's hard because, like I said, as a rookie, you've got so many different things running through your head that you've never had before. I don't care how much of a people person you are. Even if you're 45 years old and you're stepping into this role, you can still get wrapped up in the how do I do what I can do mentality until it becomes habit. And then once the habit starts getting there, it's like any job. You could be a TV repairman. You follow the manual until you start, you get so comfortable with the manual, you start find, seeing the shortcuts. You're like, oh, right. I don't need to do this, this, and this. That's just, let me get right to this. And that's how law enforcement is. So that that's how I look at that that rookie mindset versus that that veteran mindset. It's just a matter of practicing your craft until you can start to see those those gaps. How much do you think Comstat drives that? Um, that's hard. Mm, uh, isn't it, de- it now? It depends on your unit. For example, if you're a traffic unit, your job is to write tickets. That's your job. Yeah. You go out and you write tickets. Now, quotas are illegal. 
Sure. But job performance is based on what? How do you base job performance for a traffic unit? Are you out there making traffic stops? Okay, cool. How many tickets did you write? Oh, I can't really get into that because that's illegal. You can't tell me how many tickets I got to write. Right. But how do I judge your performance on your job? Okay, you made 50 traffic stops a day. Okay, that's a lot. Cool. Did you write any tickets? None. So you just pulled people over, but you didn't write any paper? It's not very reasonable to think that you pulled over 50 people and none of them committed some sort of infraction. Right. So why did you pull them over? Yes. So that's where stats start to get clouded. Mm -hmm. Because if you are the guy that's given everybody two, three, four, five chances, is your sergeant going to keep you? Because to the people above your sergeant, you're making them look bad because the stats they want to see if they're a stat-driven place, that's not the stats they want to see. Right. Um, Me personally, if you are stat-driven based on violent crime, that's where you want to be. Whatever we can do to stop violent crime, awesome. Uh, Everything else, officer discretion. I think that's fair. So I... I am not a stat driven guy and I'm in a unit that is its existence is based on the stats that we provide. Right. So uh, if I'm not out getting people, their property back, why am I out there? Why not? Why not just have my guys go out and start shagging calls in patrol? So I'm in a stat driven unit and I'm all about going out, trying to find people, their property. But Sometimes the, the it, it just doesn't go your way and you go a month or two without finding anything. So it's just a matter of whoever's in charge of those units understands like it ebbs and it flows like anything else. And then the people above that understanding um, that you can't, uh, you can't push your guys solely based on stats. No, but it happens. It happens. It does happen. Yeah. So and that, that gets into political political aspects of the job. So Yeah, and this isn't a political show, so we won't even bring up that uh, Kalia is the Scientology of law enforcement. So, <laughs> uh, we'll move on. Uh, I'm the same way. Yeah, I don't do politics on my stuff. No, it's just, you know, it's too polarizing. You know, yeah. you, start, you start talking about politics and you instantly alienate 50% of your potential. Yeah. And it's not the point of the show. It's not the point of my show anyway. I'm trying to educate. I I cannot educate you on something that is semantic, such as politics. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, I know you said you had off till Thanksgiving. We are, we are at uh, two and a half hours. This has been a, you know, a lot of fun and one, one pee break. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That was my fault. Normally I go to the bathroom before I start doing this stuff, but. Uh, and you broke the seal. Yeah. Um, so, all right. Um, we can go as long as you know you want to go. I'm, I'm here till five. So right. uh, my time, four o'clock your time. Oh, uh, and or till this old fourth distillery <laughs> is gone. Is gone. <laughs> I can't do that today. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah. Uh, so tell, tell me, Eric. Um, two cops, one donut. Uh huh. How did you come up with the name? Okay, so it's not what everybody thinks. Everybody thinks I came up with the name of Two Girls, One Cup. 
Yeah, and that is the most disgusting. Yes, that's not how I came up with the name. Okay, I didn't. Good. I didn't put two and two together until later. Um, I came up with the name because of first off, I the only podcast at the time that I'd ever watched was Joe Rogan's, um, and I love Joe Rogan's podcast. So I kind of copied that, and then uh, I did copy that basically, <laughs> as far as my video setup and whatnot. And uh, he had some guests on there, Burt Kreischer and Tom Segura. And they made a podcast based on Joe's recommendations. And they called theirs Two Bears, One Cave. So I just kind of copied off of that because I like their podcast. They're funny. They're comedians. And uh, I made this and it wasn't not even a week into it with my friends and stuff. And they're like, oh, man, it's funny. It's like two girls, one cup. And I'm like... Fuck. <laughs> for for uh for my viewers and listeners that have not seen Two Girls One Cup, do not look it yeah, up. Don't look it up. Don't look it up. It ain't worth it. Please, <laughs> mom, I'm telling you, do yeah. not look up Two Girls One Cup. Okay. Yeah. Continue. So my, my my mother, she watches this show. Ah, yeah, my She's mom good, watches mine as well. Uh, so. A good Southern Baptist woman, and I think that can cause a, an aneurysm, stroke, and heart attack all at one time. So, right, don't look that up, mom. So, yeah, I, that's how I came up with the name, and okay. um, it just kind of who who did the graphics? So, um, I grew up watching The Simpsons, and Chief yes. Wiggum was always the hilarious uh, type. Of, I just wanted to get my sense of humor out there with okay. this and um i love the simpsons cops version you know like chief wiggum so i got in contact with a company called turned yellow and that's what they do they simplify everything and that's uh, awesome so i took a picture of my podcast room at the time um it's funny because you see the mic stands look like yours that's the mic stands i had and i had the little pop filters in front of them and stuff and uh, my buddy that was kind of helping me get it off the ground. And uh, that's the picture. That's how my studio looks. So they created that. I told him I wanted it to say two cops, one donut, like it would say the Simpsons in the, in the TV. So, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Right, so uh, I think that's fantastic. The branding is, is amazing. Um, so kudos to your think tank. Guys that made that happen. So when I when I first went to my my go to graphics guy, and I said this is what I want to do, and he said, okay, cool. So what we need to do is we need to get a fat dude cop and a tall skinny female cop, and that's going to be your branding, and we'll have like a a microphone in between the two of them and they're going to be standing at the front door. And I, all I could see was your branding. <laughs> and I was like, no, I can't do that. I, I, it's already done. I can't do, I can't do, I can't yeah. do that. And yeah. I had already watched your show and, and that yeah. was the reasons I got started. And, and I, I was like, I'm not, I'm not taking that. It's already, <laughs> it's already done to perfection. So um i appreciate it <laughs> yeah yeah I, I grew up i wasn't allowed to watch the simpsons growing up because really? bart, bart simpson said eat my shorts eat my shorts yeah 
and that in a it Southern sucks. Baptist it's family yeah. in, 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 at the time, rural Tennessee, that just didn't fly. I was not allowed to watch it. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't watch PG 13 movies until I was 17. Dang. Yeah. It was a little different growing up in Flint. I wasn't allowed to watch in living color or Saturday night live. Okay. But I still watched it. <laughs> yeah. What they don't know. Yeah. <laughs> living color was my favorite show growing up. Yeah. Uh, it was, that was so, a good one. That yeah. Was a good one. But uh, yeah, I, I I had friends that weren't allowed to to watch The Simpsons as well, and I remember when their video games first started coming out on Nintendo. Mm, I yes. was like one of the only kids that was even allowed to have it. <laughs> That's great. So, tell me this: How is it? And and I, and I'm going to piss some people off here. But how is it that the generation that was raised on South Park? Is offended by everything. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get that either. I what, I, I, what is that? I don't know. Because I love South Park. I it, think it's hilarious. It is. <laughs> to the point where even Chef was driven off the show. Right. You know? Yeah. I, I think a lot of it has to do just with lack of social interaction. Um, and, and the the twist in society when you lack the social interaction, you start to like where I grew up, as soon as my friends started getting around each other, it was nothing but disses. Like, mm. and if you couldn't hang, you took your ball and you went home <laughs> That's and, then, right. yes. and you used your yeah. reset and you got your game back together. And the next day we all got back together again. And as soon as somebody opened up that Pandora's box and we all start ripping at each other, you had done your homework and you knew exactly how he was going to rip on him the next time. So uh, that's just how it was where I grew up. Um, yeah. It wasn't much different. Yeah. Where I, grew up. I don't think that that's quite the case anymore because it's one thing to talk shit on the internet and through text versus talking shit in person. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I think a lot of times we start saying real personal stuff on social media that we would never say in person no, versus face max. Yeah. And, you know, in context and tone, facial expressions and all that stuff, when we're together, you realize like, Hey, this isn't malicious. This is, I'm saying it because I love you and we're yeah. friends and yep. it's just cutting it up. If I cross the line, I'll see it on your face. And I'm, like, I'm sorry, man. Like I didn't, wasn't <laughs> trying to cut you that deep. So yeah, you know, yeah. that's the difference between the in-person stuff. And so I think that has a little bit to do with it. Is it, is it a fix all? Is it the answer? No, but I think it's a part of it. I, I agree with that. That's a, I think that's a great view. Um, when I was a kid, we were sent outside and uh, when it start, started to get dark, you knew it was time to work your way back home yep. to earshot of yeah. the front door. So you could hear so, mom. So you hear mom call in, it's time to come in and yep. that, you know, all right, guys, got to go in. Uh, but otherwise we were outside. Yeah. You knew if you yelled back, come in, you had at least another 10 minutes. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. You had enough time for a few more plays in the backyard if you were playing football or whatever it was. Yeah. Okay. Football. Backyard football. Uh-huh. 20 minutes in, inevitably, or at least in my neighborhood, 20 minutes in, 
somebody would get tackled too hard. Mm -hmm. Somebody's feelings would get hurt. And then, and and just for political sake, I won't call the name of the the game that backyard football turned into. I know what you're talking about. But it (laughs) turned into, yes, it turned into an all out just brawl. Whoever had the ball would get smeared. Yeah. And and the the at that point in time, the object of this new game, get rid of the ball before you got tackled. Yeah. So it was the same up north yeah. as it was. Oh in the yeah. South. Okay. Sure. It was way more fun in the snow. Oh, I never played it in the snow. Oh man, never played that it. That ball snow. gets gets loose, gets slippery. It's fun. Wow. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I am proud to know that it was extended across the country. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yes, sir. All right. So uh, speaking of childhood games and uh, the spirit of this show, and I brought up um, the, the movie earlier, Stand By Me. What is the funniest thing from your childhood in a group of kids – in the backyard, neighborhood, you can think of. Funniest thing from a group of friends in the backyard. Yeah. Huh. Let me think. We can put a pin in that, let you think on that. I tell you what, we're going to do a brief pause because now my bladder is full. And okay. I, I need to release some pressure. Okay. Um, I will be right back after these messages from and this is the first ever on the knock and talk show (laughs) these messages from two cops one donut and their sponsors go ahead and fully plug i'll be right all right we'll do all right so if anybody's ever uh wanted to check out my show at two cops one donut uh one of the things that you can go to is i am on youtube and uh, you can either type in two cops, one donut, all spelled out, T-W-O-C-O-P-S-O-N-E-D-O-N-U-T. Uh, so um, you can do it that way. Or you can uh, Google two cops, one donut with the number two and the number one in there. Uh, I am on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music, Buzzsprout, I'm on Twitch. I'm under two cops, one donut, all spelled out, but with two T's at the end for now. Still working with Twitch. And the premise behind my show on Twitch is um, I will watch YouTube body cam videos. And I will walk you through the call as though I am seeing that call fresh. So you get a chance instead of seeing an officer say, okay, this is where this cop messed up. This is that. We're not doing that on this. I walk you through how I would handle the call and the things that are running through my mind as the call develops. I've never watched the video, so there's no prior knowledge. I'm basically exploring the call the same way you would be. And you get to hear my perspective as a cop as I'm doing it. Now, I will pause it and say, okay, at this point, this is what I'm looking at, da 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 And the cool part is you guys get to respond on the, the Twitch chat box. And if you've got video links or anything like that that you want to send for body cam footage for me to look at, I will do that as well. Um, 
I have one official sponsor, HRHcombatarms.com. Um, it's basically a retired uh, sergeant from a police department and a retired uh, Marine veteran. They own a gun shop, and that's where I get a lot of my guns done. Uh, great company, HRHcombatarms.com. You guys can check them out at any time. Um, my, I am on Instagram. I am on Facebook. I have a Facebook page, a Facebook um, regular account, I guess you would call it, and then a Facebook group. Um, neither one is more special than the other, but I have all of those. Um, I also have, what is the other one? Not just, uh, oh, I have a TikTok. Um, I don't use TikTok like a whole lot, but I have a TikTok, so you can jump on there. Um, it's not my favorite thing in the world, but I'm getting better at it. But I have that. And uh, yeah, for right now, um, the whole premise behind my podcast is basically educating people as best I can on um, on uh, what each police or any any first responder does. So you can kind of get educated. My dog's barking. You can kind of get an educated um, idea of their position, what they do. So like I said earlier, if it's a SWAT officer, a lot of people think they know exactly what a SWAT officer does, but you never actually talk to a SWAT officer. So he'll go through and explain what he does. And um, at the same time, we go down and talk about stories and things that they did. But the whole premise is to get a first-hand knowledge from somebody that actually does the job and what they do um, and and kind of gives you a way to root for that person or not root for them um, based on their personality because it's long-form discussion. We're talking for two, three hours. Look, this is the Knock and Talk podcast I'm on. I don't know if he's ever done a three-hour podcast and we're coming up to that mark right now. And we probably talked a half hour longer prior to even getting the show started. So... Um, it, that, you got all of those, those factors in a long form format. And the point behind that is you can't fake your personality that long. And that's the part I want to get back, get to is too often we see police or, or any, uh, first responder on social media. And it's all this soundbite stuff. Like it's a quick clip where you don't know if that's their genuine personality or they're doing what they need to do to look cool on camera. But two, three hours of talking, you get a chance to see the person's real personality. I'm hoping on this one, you get to see how I am. I, uh, as, as, as fun as it would be to be this happy and upbeat the whole time um, throughout my life, I, I hope you get that vibe from me. This is just my personality. It's how I am. I'm not trying to fake anything or be anything. Um, I love my Hawaiian shirts. I like laying back, chilling. Um, and I love doing police work. And I, I, most importantly, I like talking to people and trying to, to educate. I got an educator's mind. So in this, I hope you get that out of that. So if you are interested in that stuff, feel free to check out my podcast. I am laughing because my dog is barking like crazy right now. Somebody must be at the front door. Let me give me one second. I'm going to look at my fancy ring doorbell. I have, that's a nice ring plug. <laughs> yeah, I do. do I, I am back. That? You're back. Yeah, I wasn't sure how long you needed to hijack my show for, but I, I was uh, I was listening. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, uh, I agree in that you can't fake 
your personality for more than about maybe an hour. Yeah. You know, I, I would say 20 minutes is hard to keep well, a, a fake persona. Yeah. I just, I just think back to like first dates, right? You know, the, a, a first date is you're on your best behavior. You're, you're trying to pull out all the stops and impress and all that kind of stuff. And, and, yeah. and a continuous conversation setting, that's yeah. about an hour. But you've got a lot of outside factors that give you a chance to refresh. Sure. Yes. When yeah. it's just you and me, this is it. This is, yeah. there's nothing that, that, that changes the atmosphere. You no. know what I mean? So I think, it, I think it's that much harder to do. It is. But, yeah. And I, I haven't done a three hour. The most, most I've done is it was about two hours and 20 minutes. Okay. And, um, I, I got a little bit of feedback from, from some of, well, from two of my six continuous viewers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't but, listen to the haters. That, I've had so many people tell me, dude, it's too long. You need to cut yeah. it up, chop it up. I'm like, content is content. Yeah. This is, this is what the, the most popular podcast in the world is regularly three hours long. And that's Joe Rogan's podcast. So if he can get away with it, why can he get away with it? Because his content is good. Yeah. And he's Joe Rogan. And he's Joe Rogan. That's true. And, uh, but to me, if the content's good and the beauty of podcasting is you can pause it and play it whenever you want. I don't listen to Rogan's podcast all at once. I listen to it to and from work. It takes me a good week to get through most of his episode. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm constantly in a state of trying to catch up with whatever. And then the other beauty is maybe that topic doesn't interest me or the person you have doesn't interest me. So I don't listen to that episode. I skip ahead and I pick the yeah. topics that are interesting to me. So, yeah, well, two cops and one donut is always interesting. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> it's interesting to me. That's the beauty of it. I have fun. Uh, if other people have fun with it as well, that's great. That's just I, I will. I got a confession. Uh, I used to, I, I never ever in the nearly sixteen years that I I wore polyester would I eat a donut in uniform. I uh, I was the same. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm pretty much the same. I don't really even care for donuts to be honest. No. Um, however, there are a couple places. We have a few places that make like these gourmet donuts. This one place makes it, you have to be 21 or older to even buy the donut. It's a margarita donut. Shut the front door. Yeah, dude. You come down here, funky town donuts. If you're paying attention, I'm giving you a shout out. (laughs) I know what just for that. I'll throw a tag down for them. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tag our local one, Dutch monkey. Okay. uh, Here in, uh, in coming Georgia. All right. They do some, fantastic gourmet donuts but you know as a regular patrolman even when i was in cid and and not wearing a uniform i still would not eat a donut on duty i wasn't going to be part of that cliche that persona that can you hear my dog i'm just curious i can't yeah Yeah, i I mean they're doing their job yeah supposed to do right they're uh early warning systems yeah Um, big dummy you know that uh Native Americans use dogs just as that. They would actually tether them down on the borders of their teepee camps, camps as early warnings. Really? No, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. So I, I got a, a 
That is my Native American heritage tattoo, Chippewa. Okay, do tell. Uh, so my grandmother, great-grandmother, or great-great-grandmother, I can't remember, um, is a Chippewa and, okay. uh, in Michigan, which is a French-American, uh, Native American thing. So um, hearing the stories growing up, it's just knowing that we have Chippewa heritage in our family. And um, I needed a, I wanted a first tattoo, but I wanted to have some significance in my, sure. my life. And this is my first and only tattoo. So okay. um, uh, my brother-in-law, who's also in law enforcement, he's a homicide detective in uh, Florida, uh, same type of background. So I told him the idea is like, well, the color blue represents wisdom and protection with them. And the arrow sig signifies the, the, the protection as well. So um, I got one arrow for me protecting my family and he's the other arrow, meaning we're going to protect each other's family. And cool. then I got my, my wife and my two daughters initials um, in the like corner. I can't even so you can barely see it. So I got their first initials in there so um yeah so i got that's so my first your first great grandmother tattoo. correct is that what you said great i think it's great great grandmother to be okay. honest yeah. um card carrying or not card carrying? yeah okay yep right, so for those that didn't that don't know uh there was an american industry in american indian registry yeah that was put into place yeah. and there were some tribes that uh, basically put their thumb nose to the federal government and said, we're not, we're not doing anything you want us to do and didn't sign the registry. And then there were other tribes and members within the tribe that actually did um, sign up with the registry to help ancestry uh, with benefits and things. Yep. Um, and my, my ex-wife was Cherokee. Uh, but her ancestry thumbed their nose at the government, so she could only prove it through blood work. Oh, okay. She she wasn't able to do it through documents. I got you. Yeah. And it's the only reason I know. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I learned from my, my grandmother, and then my mom told me about it. And I, I don't want to make it look like I – you know, go to reservations or anything like that. It's just a homage to, to sure. the blood bloodline. So that's yeah, all. So, uh, I don't know if you can. I see the band. See, yeah, the band. So on the inside, I, I don't think I can contort my arm well enough, but those are um, dog heads. Okay. My, my wife and I took a trip to Ireland a couple of years ago, and I had the opportunity to have a Celtic tattooist do a Celtic band. Um, and the dog heads, the, uh, I guess, tribute to my old canine partner. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So there's, cool. uh, nice. what, so this opens up a great conversation. What are your thoughts about ink in uniform? Uh, it doesn't bother me. I, I think it's great. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. Um, we, we don't have any sort of policy limiting us That's as long cool. as they're not offensive. And, um, yeah, my, I think it's just a, a cultural faux pas in uniform that was set back in the 
you know, beginning of time when it came to military and stuff like that, that that stigma's kind of gone away. It's way more socially acceptable and as it should be, I think. So, yeah. so you know, long ago it was pirates that got tattooed. Uh, and so it was the bad guys, the, the hardened, uh, yeah. then, then your bikers. Uh, so it was, you know, it was always the bad guy that had ink and not the good guy. Well, it just depends on what culture you're looking at. So you also That's, had the Nordics and, and the Vikings and um, even uh, Chinese and stuff like that. There's a Native Americans, yeah. certain tribes had, had bands and stuff like that. So um, Polynesians, they were yes, all some of the best, some of yeah. the most beautiful artwork. Yeah, Polynesian so, um, all hand punched mm. with a stick and hammer and stuff like that. So, like I said, it just depends on the way you want to spin it. You want to spin it in a negative way, you can. Yeah, <laughs> but you also you, you can't have one without the other. So you might as well look at the positive side. If it's not a offensive tattoo and I don't see the issues. No, 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 no. I, I agree with you. Yin and yang, right? Yeah. So uh, right. to yin. There you go. And then to yang. Got a little bit left. I saw that. That was all water. No, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was bigger uh, than I thought it was. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I had that same face about an hour ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that hit harder than I was ready for. Oh, wow. All right, so um, we we can still leave the pin into you know your your funny childhood story. Uh, yeah, I want to I want to come back to to patrolman work because that that's the bulk of every department is uniform patrol. That's where you start. You do a stint in detectives or a specialized unit, and then you get promoted. And quite often after the promotion, you go back to. Uh, back to uniform patrol to hone your supervision skills before you go back into a specialized unit as a uh, as a supervisor. What's the funniest thing that you've had to discipline somebody for as a supervisor? Um, high centering their vehicle off the side of, <laughs> of a parking lot. Um, they had a burglary of a building. Okay. And, uh, it was a loading ramp. So at nighttime, it looked like it was part of the parking lot, but basically it just chopped off. And that's where the semi trucks would back up to. And then a, a port would come out or whatever, when they opened the garage and then they could just walk to and from the, the, the big box truck part. Well, a patrol car was trying to look around the building to see if there's any forced entry before they decided to go get out on foot or go inside. And okay. they pulled <laughs> through that that thing, and all of a sudden, the front end of the car goes boom, and they're like, "Oh!" And the car just basically teetered. <laughs> and I get a call like, um, "Hey, dude, Sarge. Uh, yeah, that was military." Was it? That was military. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. That is the funniest call I've had out there. That was. I have, I have seen those pictures of uh, the Flatline SPs that drew, drove 
patrol cars into aircraft. Yeah. Like how, how, how does that happen? Yeah. Yeah. The, the plane wasn't moving. moving. Like it was, yeah. it was bedded down. <laughs> yeah. It was literally strapped to the flight line. Like you can't, and it has these big red lines around it. Yeah. Hey, you're supposed to not- drive. Yeah. In a, in a, how did you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We all sorts of funny make an airman go, Hey, we need 2000 feet of flight line. Go to supply and go get some flight okay. line. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> this brings up a great question. I, 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 sometimes I forget that um, some of the guests are both veterans and uh, LEO or, or first responders. So what's your favorite prank? Oh, you got a second? Uh, oh, we've got, I mean, we've been in this three hours. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. We'll end on this because this, you're not topping this after this. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. So right. this um, I worked at a uh, nuclear base, right? So the ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles. So um, I was a cop and we're working the, uh, what do you call it? The uh, weapons storage area. So you have to, every few months in the weapon storage area, you have to um, run decon emergency response stuff. So if there's ever like a radiation leak or anything like that. So during those, the um, emergency management systems basically respond and put up a fake um, wash unit, you know, like a decon unit type thing. So that's fire department, ambulance, all that stuff. It's a standard thing. Well, when you have a rookie that's training and his job is the fire teams, meaning he just goes out and checks the perimeter and checks the locks that are on the igloos where the nukes are kept, right? Okay. Well, if you use infrared gel that's in the the glow sticks, basically, and when you break an infrared gel glow stick, you still can't see anything. You have to have infrared on for it to light up. So we had a sergeant that tells us, like, this is what we're going to do. You know, when you're in the backseat, start, break one of these open and pour it on his coat. Okay. So you pour it on his coat. He goes, and his job is to go check the locks. So while he's checking the locks, the sergeant had already poured some of that infrared stuff on one of the locks. Hey, and, and you're watching him on the cameras. Hey, did you check the? Did you check to make sure there's no um, contamination coming out? Uh, yeah, I did that. You can hear him on the radio. Yeah, I checked, Sarge. He's like, you know, you have to wear the infrareds to check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You wore the infrareds, right? Yeah, I wore them. He didn't. So he goes back to the truck and he's putting the infrareds on, and you see the reaction. He's pulls him down. He looks, and he oh my god, puppy dog heads it at the lock, and he's like. And he backs up and he's like, uh, you see him looking around. And when he looks back to his right, he sees the infrared that had been poured on his jacket. In his mind, he's seeing radiation. Yes. He doesn't know what he's seeing. So he's like, <laughs> and you see the coat land on the ground. Now, this is all in, in night vision. So you're yeah. looking through a camera on night vision, seeing this reaction. And uh, coat goes on the ground. And uh, Sarge gets on the radio. You got anything to report? Um, there's an issue. 
<laughs> it's getting out. <laughs> he doesn't know what to call it. It's getting out. What do you mean it's getting out? And he's like, tell you what, son, stand still. Don't, don't move. Don't do anything. Meanwhile, the standard response that was supposed to come for their normal training is coming around the bend. Lights and sirens. <laughs> They're in on it. Come in. They set up shop like they would normally do. This and they great. get this kid. This kid gets in there and we're like, don't touch anything. And he's got he's like, got his cell phone. And the Sarge looks at him and goes, Do you want to call your mom for the last time? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Oh this my kid, God. Yeah, call my mom. And dude, that was it. Oh my that was God. It. we ended it right there. He was like Gotcha. Like <laughs> that is gotta be one of the best. Dude, that is the best prank I've ever seen. Now I didn't coordinate it. I didn't I just got to be a part of it. Yeah. But to that sergeant, he knows who he is. One of the best pranks ever because it didn't cost anything. Right. It was what we normally would do for training anyway. And it was just at the expense of this one kid. Well so, orchestrated, well timed. Oh, man, it was uh, it was that great. is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Many more pranks, but I figured three hours. I think you got a good podcast on this one. And uh, I got plenty of more ammo, so we can we can do another podcast. We can load up the again, huh? Yes, sir. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to take a cue from a master podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm going to throw, throw the, the ex, extra music. Very say, um, episode 12 is now in the books, ladies and gentlemen. And Count it. Thanks to, thanks to Eric Levine of uh, Two Cups, One Donuts. Knock and talk. That's where uh, it's at. Yeah. This is this has been it's been a good one. I, I don't know if I'm going to keep this as a solid three-hour episode or if I'm going to split this up okay. uh, somewhere around bathroom break number one. There you go. And and um, it wasn't without some challenges, but that's the way that's the way love goes. That's the way it goes, man. Yeah, it is. Roll with uh, the punches. It'll be fine. I promise. All right. Uh, I I don't know how else to, to end this other than saying it has been a wonderful pleasure. Thanks for yes, coming sir. on the show. Uh, anytime you need a fill-in, let me know. I'd be happy to come on. Yes, sir. Uh, cops. As soon as I figure out how to do this, we'll get it going. All right. I just haven't got it set up yet. So Okay. All right, brother. All right, my friend, be safe, stay well, and we'll catch you next time. Thank you, brother. Take it easy. The Knock and Talk Show is a certified veteran-hosted podcast. Show your support. Tune in, share, and subscribe.